doom doom nipples. What's my motherfucking name? Nipples. What? I roll with all my nipples. Uh uh. uh nipples Who do you roll right. with on right. my nipples? Nipples I'm better get it. It is July. Um, that's kind of all you need to know. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. The date much. doesn't really matter. It's July. <laughs> the last time we did this, it was March. Ooh, it really was? Yeah, it was March 16th. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Man. My homepage... Yeah, that's Rob's birthday. My homepage says... No, my homepage says it was March 12th uh, okay. when the last one went up. So we're talking about four months and... Five days, and and quite frankly, this is you know this is being recorded on the seventeenth, but there are other pieces that will be recorded on other days. So technically, it's not even July seventeenth now. It's <laughs> no, it's July seventeenth now. But when you listen to it, yeah, it's not. Well, it it wouldn't have been anyway. But you know, such such as the such are the perils of of recording and editing and such. Uh, this is the TryGames.net podcast. Somehow, it, somehow it is. Um, somehow, I, I mean, I said that we weren't dead uh, in my trilobite yesterday. I just um, didn't really know when I could tell you that we were alive again. Um, I mean, <laughs> I was thinking that you were gonna say I just didn't know how undead we were. No, because then, like, then that would make us mindless, brainless. I guess I guess that works. Um, <laughs> this is episode. I, I guess this is the start of episode two thirty five. Um, mm-hmm. Two thirty five, part one. Shit. Well, in yeah, a three well, part in the trilogy. I don't know if I'm gonna post this until we do all of them. Oh, really? I don't know what to do. I don't know. I think we should do uh, make it an epic trilogy because then that would fuck up the RSS feed and our numbering and all that crap. I don't know. What do I do? Uh, hmm. Do I care anymore enough? I don't think Does anybody else care? I don't know. I kind of do, but I don't. Um, <laughs> how about this for for everyone out there? I will post this. I will label it as A. Whenever we do part B, I will post that and label it as B. And then when we finish part C, I'm gonna throw all that shit together and remove the 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 partials. This is for those of you who are impatient, all one of you, uh, and they want to get that now, even though it's incomplete. I don't know. I don't know. I'll figure this out after work. Um. Yeah, that'll do. Or something. Uh, obviously, I am I am the one and the only Austin because there's no other no other Austin in the world except for Austin Light, um, who I call the other Austin and he calls me the other Austin. So I, you know, I, I guess we'll have to fight for it. But he looks like he's in shape, and I've been in Hawaii for two he's weeks. He's a dad too. I'm not in shape anymore. I'm not. I'm not fat. He's a dad. I'm not though. fat. I'm just weak. Um, but still. And what are you? Still, he's uh me. I'm. I'm the daddy red he is, he is He is a daddy. Mm-hmm. Not my daddy. That would be weird. Not not yours, no. no. thank God. No, just the. The? In general. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so it's been four months. Uh, there are a lot of... <laughs> there were a lot of games played. Not all of which Many. I actually remember. Some of which I may have already spoken about on episode 234. Again, I don't remember. Uh, which is sad. But I, I, I did <laughs> touch upon most of them, uh, during my trilobite yesterday. Um, this was yesterday. If you haven't heard it, it's on the RSS, trygames.net 
slash rss.xml. Uh, remember, you can only get those on the RSS. Uh, I'm too lazy or also too mysterious to post every single trilobite that we used to do on the site, because that's a lot. That I mean, that those just came out sporadically. So you find them on the RSS. You subscribe. You're a good boy. Uh, also, a little gift on the RSS, which you may have spotted before this episode. Um, I'll, I'll let you. I'll let you just examine the RSS closely for that. Phone. He- hello. Mm-hmm. Hello. <laughs> Not you. Hello. Hello. Pick it up. Pick it up. Pick it up. It's picked up. Mm, yes. So for we're, we're gonna do this is just gonna be the what we've been playing segment because you know that's what it is, and then uh, hopefully the next part we're gonna talk about some of the news that's passed us by, um, not because it's relevant or up to date, but just because you know we've had opinions on them and actually we haven't been able to discuss it with each other too much. So uh, this is really just our space to talk to each other. Like we don't care about you guys. You guys all suck. We don't care. Uh, yeah, we just want each other to hear us talk to each other. I don't even care. I just want to. I, I just want to put it up there and be like, I did this. I made an MP3, mm. and it lasts forever. Yes, or until or hard, hard until, until we servers stop die. playing. Yeah, and, or until we stop paying for our servers. That's true. Um, <laughs> and all the hard drives that we have it backed up on die as well. Uh, and then lastly, I think. Um, Lastly, I think we're going to talk about Kid Icarus, because I think uh, both you and I have differing enough opinions on the game, and actually I feel like a lot of people have differing opinions, uh, including the press, and and that's not like it's any different than any other major release, but it's exactly because of that, because it is a major release, and you know, it's it. I think it bears talking about. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like it's a very polarizing game. It. I don't know if I'd put it up there with a, the original Assassin's Creed, Um or would I? I don't know. I might. I personally might, in terms of my own personal conflict with it. So, I don't know. I don't know what you'd do with it. Hmm. Well, I know what you'd do with it. You'd play it. Yeah, 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 definitely. But, you know, that's one of the things you played. What else did you play? Ooh, segue oh. grammar. Uh-oh. Uh, lots of stuff. Did you I'll talk about the uh, only other game I've finished besides Kid Icarus, <laughs> which kind of sucks. Well, then again, though, I finished two Remember, games this is four months, so if you finish something in April, that counts. Very true. Or the end of March, like yeah. uh, the 3D classic of Kid Icarus. Like I actually, you actually finished through, that. Uh, I can't get past the first ten minutes. Well, it's a little <laughs> easier on 3DS uh, yeah, than it I is on can. the original Nintendo version. I still can. Like you can play, <laughs> you can kind of play like um, a version of the um, like the original game with 3D graphics. You can play that, or you can play like an optimized kind of sort of easier because there's certain things you can do or like. The physics have changed a bit where Pit like kind of is a little floatier, so it's a little easier to manage when you jump in those small platforms. Uh, okay. Um, so I've, I played it on the 3DS mode, of course, because, uh, well... I might not I have mean, seen I, that I, mode. I would have played it on the original mode. Huh? I might not have seen that mode or, or paid enough well, attention. Well, by default, I think it's it's on the 3DS version and then there's I forget what it's called it might be called like original controls and something or other but default is what they use for 3DS but um yeah I I went through it in like a couple of days and I was surprised at how manageable and like how not easy but you know the game wasn't a pain like when I played it on Wii I stopped playing it at the second labyrinth <laughs> because I just felt like the labyrinths were just a pain in the ass. Is is and then when I'm sorry, I'm I'm just thinking about. I just want to get this out the way before I forget the question. Um, is it is the new um version like battery battery 
like save states or is it still password or is there any? Oh, states? it's save states. Okay, good. That's good. Well, I guess you could call it save state. Um, it saves after every stage. Okay. So that's good instead enough. of like needing a password and like if you die, it's of course it starts at the beginning of the stage anyway. Yeah. But um, the the labyrinths were not as complicated as I felt they were when I played it on Wii, and the bosses were rather manageable. And there's this one part of the third labyrinth called the Room of Death or something like that, where there's like three eggplant wizards and. I was reading the fact on it, and the fact was like, oh, there's the worst room in the game because you get turned into an eggplant so easily. And I had no problem with it, and I was wondering if it was because of the new control scheme or if it was just because that kid was overreacting. But I'd have to play it on original or play it on the Wii to figure that right. out. Uh, I also finished season one of Sam and Max. That was in April. Um, not really much to say about that because, um, well, it was pretty funny, of course. They, they actually had... Um, a stage, I don't know if I discussed this before, but they had a stage where, not a stage, excuse me, in one Gross. of the episodes of season one, ha, in one of the episodes of season one, you actually wind up at the end of the episode going into a text-based adventure game, mm -hmm. and it's like Sam and Max go into a text-based adventure game in order to kind of save the day, and it, it was weird, but it was funny at the same time, because it was like an ode to the forefathers of adventure games and um the ending was pretty cool i just rushed right into season two so now i'm like in episode two of season two now uh, i hadn't started it yet but um it's it's i like the game a lot and whenever i find the time to play it i play it but then i've also been playing another adventure game which i'll get to in a moment of course i finished kid icarus icky, icky. in june and i finished mutant muds 100 percent. and that game was cakey for me like it was a breeze. A breeze? But it was really fun. Yeah, it was a breeze. I didn't... I mean, like, if I had problems, it was, like, maybe five minutes worth of problems. And the last stage... <laughs> the last stage, the very, very last stage, was the only stage that kind of gave me a problem. And that was... It, I don't know. I, I, well, let's... let's talk. Actually, let's talk about that for a little bit, since I, I played that, mm -hmm. too, and, and, and I beat it 100% as well. Um, do you have the the rest of the list down so that you don't forget? Because I don't want to interrupt your train of thought. Well, it's all in my backlog. Oh, so. Okay. Um, I should probably use that too. <laughs> but um, <laughs> well, I, I when I say it was challenging, I, I think I mentioned to you it was pretty challenging. Um, I and, and I think I might have I might have name dropped Meat Boy. Did I? Not nah, not to me. Because I think I think what I. What I should say, or what I should mean by that, is I I don't mean that it's as difficult as Meat Boy, but what but what I think it did was it 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 used the same sensibilities of you know this is this is just straight up platforming, uh, mm -hmm. period. It's jumping from ledge to ledge. We are going to place the enemies in such a way to give you fits. Um, we are going and the obstacles, right? And, uh, the the platforms, the, those appearing and disappearing platforms can really be a pain if you don't understand how they work. Right. It, we are not going to make concessions about giving you an easy mode, or we're not going to like let we're not going to let um, Max climb on walls, or or like give him. Or, or, I I don't know what else you'd call it. Well, like give him any concessions. We're not going to give Max any like power-ups that really allow him to abuse the game because like the gun power-up all it does is make is, you shoot longer 
it, it I don't even think it makes you shoot it longer. Does. It, it does, gives you okay. added range yeah. and it lets you shoot and down the, up the doors walls. that leads to secret levels. That's correct. Um, right. And and then there's the 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 longer boost, which can be helpful, but at the same time, it really messes with your timing. So I use I usually don't use it unless I have to to get to you know one of those long distance jumps to get to a secret level. And then there's the boost, which is kind of a game breaker. It is, but it, it is, but you have to be good. Like you can't just be yeah, like, I'm like gonna I... boost whenever because, like, it it, it breaks the, it. That's why I wouldn't even say it's a game breaker because in order for you to be able to abuse it, you have to get really good at at understanding controls and timing and just have tw- good twitch timing. And so it becomes a skill and less of a breaker, right? Because they they you can you can abuse it in certain areas that like um that help you through. Well, the last stage, it it like I I went through the last stage. Um, I don't know if you remember the last stage of the game. Where there's this long uh, forward passage, like at the bottom of the screen, mm-hmm. and then you have to climb up and then go back to the left. Yeah, and you're collecting the little bubbles all the way. Yeah, you just accelerate. I to kind the top. of yeah, I accelerated to the top and went to the right, right because it was easier to do it that way than to go the long way. Right. And then there was this one where you had to. It's, it's like right before that part, you had to drop down and collect bubbles, and then there was um one of those muds that had the sword and shield. And he was running around patrolling the area, yeah. and I would never get all the bubbles right. going down the first time. So I would just jump off the end and boost up and get the rest and come back. But you would never be able to do that if you were playing regularly. Right. And, you but know, you needed the boost to get the the secret world yeah. too, so that was added bonus. Yeah. And and that's what I, I and actually that's what I think was the challenge and the difficulty. Like, you know, if you just wanted to beat the game, yeah, it's a bre- it's almost breezy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's where I think our interpretations of the difficulty are are varied because, like, the fact that you can beat the stage, but if you're aiming for all the all the items or all the diamonds, you're not going to get it um, if you just breeze through it. Like, you have to figure out you have to fi- th- those sword blobs, those enemies with the swords are so fucking annoying. Like, they are very annoying, <laughs> and like it's it's one of those things where, and that's that's where I really like the game, uh, in the respect of like. Okay, I can come here and I can try to, you know, try to get this stuff, but if I can't do it, I'll just try to come back later. And because it's like Bionic Commando where you can only use one power up at a time, mm-hmm. like, even though you beat the stage and even though you can come in the, the second time around and say, okay, now all I have to do is collect these two diamonds that I've left over, you still have to beat the stage in order to, for that collection to count. You still yeah. have to go through the thing. Um, and, like, Kind of something that I forgot to mention a few minutes ago with, with the with regards to the Meepoy thing is that a few of these things are like you you need to use pixel no well, you don't need to but using pixel precision is definitely beneficial to your ability to to get through the game unscathed like there's certain sections mm-hmm. where there are aliens that shoot at you right there's stationary aliens that shoot at you at certain intervals and like I think. I think those shots yes, no. those shots are short, right? They they don't span the entire screen, right? Yeah, they're short. So like they they come at you but then they stop at a certain point. So if you understand just how far their shots go and how far your shots go and what the difference in the timing between because they line them up like three in a row sometimes. Sometimes yeah, they line then, them up and then sometimes they're line, lined up like three in a row but in a staircase fashion. Right. And sometimes it's one on the left, one on the right and one on the left as you mm-hmm. as you're going down the level or up or up right and so like sometimes you can you know it's it's one of those things like in Mega Man where if you're trying to shoot from one side of the screen to the other 
because the limitation of the NES, or not the limitation of the NES, but how they designed the game was Mega Man can only have two bullets on the screen at one time. Like, if you're shooting from all the way on the left side of the screen to an enemy on the right, you can't fire that quickly because you only shoot, shoot two shots at a time. If right. you're right next to the enemy, those shots come and go like that, so you can shoot really fast. And when you and I don't the the same speed isn't achieved in mutant muds, but the, the concept is there. So if you like learn how to say, okay, you know, if I jump onto this ledge, even though this enemy is taking up the entire space, there's one pixel of ledge that I can stand on in between his shots and just mm-hmm. shoot quickly three times and then jump back off before the the other one on the other side shoots me, then I can destroy that guy without getting hit, and I can come back down, kind of gather myself together, and then jump onto the next one. And that type of stuff is stuff that you don't worry about in most of today's, you know, 3D platformers or even, like, some, you know, less hardcore games, right? You don't worry about, like, well, I'm going to stand on this edge, this little pixel, or I'm going to be one pixel shy of this enemy's shot, and, you know, be able to blast him while I'm not getting shot. And, like, you don't think that much about that, you know, unless you're playing a Meat Boy. Mm-hmm. Or I want to be the guy. Or I want to be the guy, which, you know, that that's like a different universe. Fuck that game. Not fucking yeah. because it's bad, fuck it because I can't <laughs> and ever now, play And it. now they have another one. Yeah. You know. And, and in that sense, that's how I think Mutant Muds is challenging. And I think, I think you, rightfully so, thought that it was breezy because, like, y- y- you know, you grew up with that stuff. And you yeah, never lost that. And I, you know, I grew up with that stuff and I never had it. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, I, I kind of like always have to relearn and rebalance myself. Like I'm familiar with it. Um, and I think, I think that's what makes Mutant Muds a good challenge, not an impossible game, but a good challenge game and something that brings me back to those days of like, we're not going to give you any concessions, but we're also not going to com- But in this case, they also don't, don't completely like decimate you. Yeah. Um, and there's a couple of things I wish that they had in this game to kind of give it more replay value. One would be like maybe a time trial of some sort, a time trial mode, or um or just DLC like with new levels. But I don't time know. Time trial as in like as in here's your best like time not to get, get it. The level. I see. For so for me for that, like the the, the time limits you know, I, I didn't even think about that because of the time limits. That's a good point. I would like mm. to see how, how fast it takes you to like just blow through because that's one of the satisfying things about Muddy Switch Force until you get to the levels where you stop caring, um, <laughs> which happened to me about six stages in. Um, that Speaking game. of Mighty Switch Force, I, I bought that over the weekend for three dollars. Oh, right, because of the promotion. Uh, by the time you hear promotion. this, that's no longer applicable. I think, right? Well, it's not even applicable now. Oh, okay. it, was, it was only for that it, weekend. They, I think it was only for like Sunday because I saw a tweet by Nintendo. It was like, you know, get Mighty Switch Force for two ninety nine right. before nine p.m. PT. Oh I'm shit! Like, <gasps> that was get it out, yeah. get it out. <laughs> um, but yeah, like like that that that's a good point. I would have liked to, that now that you mention it, that would have been a nice addition. I don't think that I would have necessarily gone through it because trying to beat the time limit on the later stages was stressful enough. Um, mm, yeah, I did kind of lose that time limit a couple of times. Like I I barely beat the last stage. Like when I beat the last stage, it was I believe if I'm remembering correctly, it was literally maybe with anywhere between one and five seconds to go. Ooh, and the second to last yeah. time that I tried that stage before that I had everything in the bag, I was coming up on the last diamond, which do you have to, I can't remember what you have to do to get it. You either have to fall on. You had to do some crazy stuff. Yeah. So I was, I end. was right there. I was like, you know, maybe I was half a screen width away from it. Like I could see it and I could mm-hmm. feasibly get it in the next couple of seconds, but I didn't have those seconds. 
and Ooh. and and like I came close, and that's when I knew I was like, I'm I'm going to be I'm about to beat this game because I got right there, I got the timings down, I got it, I just can't mess up, and I got it. that. That's one of the things about this game too that I like is is um that although you can learn your way through it and you can kind of like just carefully go through it, um like there's also a very you also develop a, a very set muscle memory about every oh, yeah. stage of this is this is exactly how I should do it. In order to pass it, I don't need to, but I should do it to to maximize the the amount of time that I save, the amount of effort that I actually expend. Because when you go through that, your brain starts to get tired and your thumbs start to get annoyed, <laughs> you know. And and again, it, that 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 takes me way back to those Ninja Gaiden Castlevania on NES days, where it's just like there's a very optimal way to go through this. Every sword slash is very deliberate. Every jump that you take, each piece of movement that you execute the way it's timed is very precise and very, very purposeful. Um, again, just like Meat Boy. Um, and while it's not as hard as those games, that's, that's what I like about it. And that's kind of the challenge that I think that people don't really care for these days or have the time Mm. for, to be fair, they, they might simply just not have the time for it. Um, Very true. And these are relatively short games too, which is the ironic part about it. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's it, when you when when it's all said and done, the hour count is short, but mm-hmm. it feels longer. It feels longer because of your retry count. Because of the retry count, because of the effort entailed. But even then, like I think Mutant Muds itself, like how long, like from front to back, you know, just the day that you started it to the day that you finished it. How many hours does it have a time tracker? No, it doesn't have a time. Tra- well, let me see. It might. No, I don't think it does. I think it just has um how many. Uh, no, not Pushmo. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going into it too. My light is red though. But yeah, like, I, I, you know, I, I, in thinking about it, I'm like, that was still a good six hours. Mm. Because, probably, yeah. Because I had to retry a lot. Like, I'm, I, I'm, I wasn't very good at it, but. Yeah, it just tells you how many water sprites and okay. how many, uh, little diamond bubble things. Yeah, the diamonds. Mm-hmm. Um,. But yeah, it's really funny. Uh, I actually went on Giant Bomb, and because there was nothing filled out about that game, I went ballistic and like f- most of that stuff on Giant Bomb is my stuff. Like, mm. like almost all of the content is mine um, because I was like, I was obsessed with the game, and I was like, I gotta fill this out because like I'm fascinated by this game. Um, and and as I was reading a little bit more, um, I I read about it on Wikipedia in terms of its history, and it started out as a 3D platformer. Really? Uh, for 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 DSiWare. And I was like, thank God it didn't go that route because it looked pretty crappy mm. in comparison to what it ended up being. Like the like I don't think I would have enjoyed that nearly as much. And that's not to say oh 2 is better than 3D, but what they were going for I think was better suited towards 3D. Uh 2D. It was definitely 2D, yeah. definitely. And the whole concept was that it was like Maximilian and the and the invasion or the attack of the mutant muds or something like that and he had a water cannon that cleaned up the mud. So those are mud oh. monsters. That's something that I never got until I saw that video. Um mm-hmm. But yeah, it, it, unexpected I, it was an unexpected game for me cuz when I saw the quick look of it on Giant Bomb, it was like, okay, the gimmick is that you switch between planes you go for you go towards the screen you go away from the screen you you stay in the middle plane you you switch back and forth and the 3d is supposed to make that all look impressive and that's the gimmick obviously i played it with the 3d off 90 percent of the time but that's another story you know but then when i played it i i realized that this is not about the plane switching or the 3d or anything this is about like almost pixel perfect platforming and 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 very deliberate design and and 
and that's why that's what I took away from the game. And by the way, I went and I bought that soundtrack on um, what do you call that site? Bandcamp. I love mm-hmm. the soundtrack. I absolutely love it. Um, I don't know if how much you've listened to it because I know that I, I know in the past you've mostly played your portable games without listening to the music, but I don't know how much you've heard of it. But it's yeah, it's, I'm trying my best to do to listen to music more. It's, uh, it's while playing. Yeah, it's very nostalgic. Um, and like Meat Boy, it's kind of something that you wouldn't appreciate unless you played it with the sound on. You know what I mean? It's like like mm-hmm. if 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 I were to if I were to play the soundtrack for you, I'd be like, okay, that's kind of cool. But to really, to really like enjoy it, I think you would have to play it first with the with the music and like get it embedded into your brain as you were experiencing these jumps and these shots and these hover mechanics and all that stuff. And and then you come away from the game and the song is stuck in your head and you're like, oh, I want to listen to that music from stage one dash two and you know it's in my head. And then that's when you listen to the soundtrack and you and and, and you appreciate it and you like it. Um, that's how I feel about it anyway. You might be able to appreciate it off the bat, um, but it's it's very it's very like. <laughs> It's very nostalgic in that Mega Man 9 sense of, wow, they really captured what old Mega Man games were like. Except in this case, obviously, there's no old mutant muds to tie this back to. It's just old music. Right, right. Um, that you, that you've heard, that the same type that you've heard, but it's not tied to a franchise. It's all original. And that may be why I like it even more, because it's, it, it's, it, it's original and, and, and the nostalgia all comes from, it's all fabricated. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it, it's it's like derivative, but it's not derivative. Right, just time. like the just like the entire game is is fabricated and derivative mm-hmm. in, in a good way, not in a bad way, in a good way, in, yeah, in yeah, a nostalgic not, way. Not That's not how I mean way. it. Um, yeah. So, but yeah, I, I I really like this game more than I expected it to, more than I thought I would after the first like ten minutes of playing. I'm like, ah, you know, this is really limiting. And then as I got more and more into the game, I was like, I see why they did this. Mm-hmm. And I got it off of your recommendation because um, I originally was like, yeah, maybe I'll get it eventually. Yeah, know, whatever. And then you had talked to me about it. And I'm like, hmm, this looks like a game I could probably go through. And I got it along with Pushmo and Zombie Slayer Dio, uh, which both of those games I'm kind of still in the middle of. Zombie Slayer Dio is probably a short game. Yeah. but I want to hear about that. I'm very interested. I-, I don't think I'm going to buy it, but I'm interested in hearing mm-hmm. what it's like. Uh, Well... I'll save that because there's another game that is like that I actually wound up playing Theatrhythm. Yes. How do you pronounce it? Uh, How do you pronounce it? I pronounce it Theatrhythm. Theatrhythm. No one knows what the hell I'm talking about when I say that. Um, I was talking with Izzy over the weekend, and she called it Theatrhythm. And so I'm thinking, I wonder if people will know what I'm talking about if I say Theatrhythm. Because I know when I went to buy the game, I called it you know, theatrhythm, mm-hmm. and he was like, "What? Oh, oh, you mean theater the rhythm? The the what? <laughs> what do you say? The the rhythm? The rhythm? <laughs> yeah, I'm like, uh, okay, oh, just give me the game. I'm, I'm out of here. Theatrhythm, theatrhythm. Anyway, but, sorry, go ahead. I um, the pronunciation. So I, I got Pushmo along with Mutant Muds, and I'm at Pushmo number one fifteen, <clears throat> which is mural number two seven, which is a big ass whale. Oh, and okay. I, I, I'm just very upset. Not li- not literally upset, but I am figuratively upset at every mural in this second session because they're fucking huge. <laughs> it, and every time I get one, it's like a big dinosaur. I'm like, how am I going to get all the way up there? And then, like, and after about half later, an hour, you're like, oh, wait, I got it. Not even a half an hour. Cool. Like, ten minutes. Ten minutes, like, oh, okay, yeah, this, that, 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 this, that, 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 I got them. Okay. That, wasn't, that really wasn't that hard. <sighs> I mean, the next one, Stegosaurus, what the hell? 
This thing is so big, it's all around the tail, all around the other end. And push, 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 pull, pull, push, 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 pull, 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 push, jump, 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 jump. Okay, I got it. Tell me something. When you when you play the game, do you have a very very set regiment or like very set system of you know this is how you know this this is kind of the algorithm for solving a puzzle because you know when you do when you do mazes like. People don't necessarily have to process it this way, but like when I was taught how to program, um, to program something escaping a maze, like there was a very set algorithm of okay, you will want to make the subject check this direction first, and then the next direction, and then the next direction, and then the next direction, and it will eventually find its way out of the maze by itself, hmm. like with this, with the, with just that, full- with a particular algorithm, right? So do do you have anything like that? Because for me. The only thing that I had was, all right, just pull everything as far out as you can to create as much platforming space as you can for the next levels up, and then just see what happens. And that's it. <laughs> well, and I then half the time I'm like jumping down, I'm like, nope, reset, Duh, do it again, nope, reset. And then like, I the way that I played myself through the harder levels of that game was just like, does this work? No. Does this work? No. Does this work? No. Does this work? No. Oh, this might work. Okay, try this. Oh, wait, this doesn't work. Okay, let me push this one back in, but not that one, because that might work. Oh, that doesn't work. Gotta start over again. Yeah. Um, well, what I do first is I always pull out the bottom stuff, you know, all the way, and then I kind of jump and move on from there, and then there's certain formulas that I use for certain areas, like if there's like a box, then I know that the middle of the box is what I need to get out all the way so I can jump up. Yeah. So I try and push and pull everything kind of to get that middle part out as much as possible. Um, but it's hard to really say what the different um, methods that I have are because they kind of just come to me when I get to that part. Right. It's like, oh, oh, it's this? Okay, I'll do this, that, 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 this, that, and that. Um, wait, maybe I could do it better if I could do this, that, 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 this, and that, and that. So it sounds kind of like me, except more sophisticated. <laughs> yeah, like, there's a system there, but I can't really say what the system is because I don't, it, it, it's hard for me to put into words. But, um, yeah, right now I'm on the whale, and the kid is, like, in the spout, not in the spout, but in the water that comes out of the spout, and I'm like, oh, okay, uh, I'll come back to this in, like, a week or two, because I have some other games that I want to play. Um, I bought Pokemon Conquest, like, the week it came out, and for those who don't know, it is Nobunaga's Ambition, which is a turn-based strategy game involving ancient Japan and taking over kingdoms and stuff. But instead of using ancient Japan as the backdrop, they used a different area, completely original, and they put Pokemon in it. Uh, but it's Nobunaga's ambition, with Nobunaga as the, like, final boss. And, um, the goal is to take over all 17 kingdoms, and then you find out the Pokemon who created the land or something like that. And at the moment, I have 15 hours into the game, 15 and a half, and I've already conquered 13 of the 17 kingdoms. Uh, I actually put it on hold for a while, but then, like, last week, or, like, at the beginning of the month and then last week, they came out with downloadable episodes that you need to finish the game in order to take advantage of. And I'm like, oh, so that means that you can finish the game in, like, three weeks? Or less? So let me go and finish the game. It must be short. It, even though when you look at the file on the menu, it's got three digits for the hours. So I immediately <laughs> thought, oh, this is, like, a 40-hour game at the least. And I'm going to wrap like, up Are you like sure these are hours, hours and not seconds? <laughs> Um, so, I like Pokemon Conquest a lot, and, like, when I get into playing it, I really get into playing it, and I don't want to stop playing it, mm-hmm. um, because 
the way Pokemon usually works is that you have one person, you get to collect all the Pokemon, and you get, you know, they evolve, and you get to use them however you want in a six group, six Pokemon party, and you go and challenge other people and things like that, blah, blah, blah. But in this, you have all these different warriors that you have to manage, and they all have one Pokemon. Uh, they can want, they, like, eventually they wind up linking, and you can get other Pokemon to go onto, under that particular war, uh, warrior. And then your main warlord, um, he has his own set of Pokemon that, you know, like he starts with and you can get whatever, but every warrior has a particular Pokemon that they have what is called a perfect link with, where, uh, and this is where the level progression gets into play, uh, with every battle you participate in, and like, you attack, and, or if you do things out of battle where you go to the store and you buy stuff, or you go to the gold mine, and you, every activity that you do, strengthens the link between that warrior and that Pokemon that participates in whatever the activity is. And the link Junction. corresponds to their strength. And uh, <clears throat> certain Pokemon have a particular uh, link with the warrior such that they can get their link up to 100%. Some can be like 40%, some are like 60%, some are 70%, etc. like that. So with every warrior there's different levels of compatibility between the different Pokemon. And then there's just one that they have a perfect link with where they can max out the, the link and get them completely strong, which, in addition, allows them to completely evolve and things like that. And part of the fun of the game is finding out which Pokemon is the perfect link for which warrior. And um, that takes quite a bit of time, as well as building up the strength to go and take over some of these kingdoms and then like some of the kingdoms have different objectives where some of it's just outright defeat everybody and you win and then another one might be uh capture the flag type of thing where you have to stand on all the banners in the opponent's kingdom or you have to stay on them for five turns that kind of thing mm -hmm. um but I'm, I'm hoping to finish the game by the end of the month uh i, I don't know because of the other games that i'm playing <laughs> D uh, does that make you mm -hmm. want to fire up any of the old Nobunaga's ambition games and take a crack at it? Because remember, of. I think I told you that one of the games, um, I can't remember if it was under the Nobunaga's ambition um, banner or if it was another similar game or something. I know one of those came out on Virtual Console and immediately I was just like, I gotta try this. And I downloaded well, it. Both of them I, I have yet to play it, but I was just like, burp. And you're like, are you sure? And I'm like, no, but why not? <laughs> well, they have Nobunaga's Ambition for Super Nintendo and Romance of the Three Kingdoms. Um, and I looked at them. Remember I was telling you I have 800 Romance of the Three Kingdoms, Luisa. that's what it is, I think. Oh, that is I, it? That yeah. I got. Um, they, um, they. When I had the 800 points to spend, which I still do, I was thinking about getting either one of those two games. And I'm like, well, I'm already playing it. I don't know if I want to do that right now, so I held on. I still have 800 points. But um, did you get that news report that I sent you uh, a couple of days ago about Koei making oh, the biggest up screw with, up of the year? It, Dynasty Warriors or like six? Well, it was like it was Romance of Three Kingdoms, oh. I think. But eight versus um, seven. It was supposed to be eight, but the the UMD actually had seven, seven on it. That's that was nuts. Great. Um, so let's see. Quick hit. Uh, I'm playing the Walking Dead game. Mm. And I'm on episode two, and it's a really good game. Um, if you like Telltale Adventure games, and if you like Walking Dead, I'm really and interested if you like in that games. game. Yeah, I mean, it, it's really cool because it's that kind of game where, um, you know, I mean, it's a little predictable because after you get through the first episode, you you can see what the the scenarios are, mm. but it's all about 
how you react in those scenarios. Like, two people are going to have uh, a, a near-death experience. One of them is actually going to die, depending on what you do. Right. And that's the thing. Like, one of them is always going to die. And, and you just got to f- d- deal with it. Right. You got to, and you, that person dies, and whatever the consequences are, are the consequences, and you move on with it. And depending on the things you say to people, the story changes, or people treat you differently. So, like, my game, I could be saying certain things to people, and my experience will be different than yours. And what's cool is that, like, at the end of episode one, which I finished in May, um, they tell you how many percentage, well, how many percentage, what the percentage of players who did each decision are, which is really cool. So it's kind of like Catherine, where in Catherine, they would ask you a question in between um, every break, like every stage has breaks in it where you can save and you can kind of get some tips on how to play the game. And then they ask you a question. These are the questions that they were talking about, like when the game first came out, it's like relationship questions. Uh, it's really like crazy relationship questions that like you don't want your girlfriend seeing you answer because she may like take it too seriously, that kind of shit. Mm-hmm. And then they tell you what percentage of players answered either one of those two answers. And it's cool to see like how many people sided with you or so it what connects, the general populace it connects of to the network and, and uploads your answer. Yeah, yeah. And then it gives you a tally of all the people who played and what their answers are. Mm. Uh, but I'm in the middle... Well, I just started episode two, and I'm hoping to finish it this weekend if I have any time to play. <laughs> but, um, you know, but the, the cool thing about these play. games is that they're like... There's eh. Batman to watch. Everybody in the country is going to be watching it Friday. But oh, God. Go. <coughs> Saturday. Mm. But uh, the cool thing about it is that, you know, it's only two or three hours long. Walking Dead. So, that's cool. Yeah. Um, I'm also trying to finish VVVVVV. I have one crew member. Uh, Yeah, I have one more crew member to get. So, hopefully I can finish that by the end of the week, too. But I'm currently, like, really knee-deep in Morrowind. Yes, that's old. Mm. Uh, Mm. I'm... I'm actually poke, going stab, through poke, the story. Stab, walk away, walk away. Poke, 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 stab, stab, walk away. Poke, poke, walk away. Uh, I don't play like that. I just <laughs> hit things and they die. You just hit things and they die. That's yeah, how it should if, play. If 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 I if I'm using my main because I I chose a, a Nord barbarian. So if I have an axe in my hand, you're gonna die. Uh, unless you are stronger than me and I shouldn't be messing with you. But I've I've found some really funny things just. Not funny things, but it's, it's not like it's new. Mm-hmm. You know, the game's like ten years old. But um, you know, I I now own a couple of stores in the game <laughs> because uh, I either pissed off the owner and I decided, well, this owner doesn't need to live anymore, so <laughs> I made them hit me and then I killed them and then I took their stuff and I said, I own this store. <laughs> uh, <laughs> if only it were that easy in in if only it were that in easy. our world. Uh, there was this one quest I just did this morning where um, one guy wanted to get... He was jealous of his rival because his rival got this big contract that was paying like 10,000 gold. And he wanted the contract, so he asked me to go steal it. And he said that the it was under the guy's house and it shouldn't be well guarded. I go in the guy's house. It's a store in the front, first level. And he's standing there looking at the door. The door is locked. Uh. So if I try and unlock the door, it's going to be a crime. Right. But since you so didn't unlock the do, door... 
Well, I didn't unlock the door until after I taunted him into fighting me, and then I killed him, oh, okay. and then I took his store. <laughs> so I opened, I opened the door <laughs> afterward. I unlocked the door, went down, and took the contract. Slept in his bed. I took some, I took stuff off of his. Uh, just just bogarting his his his, you know, his yeah, life. Just, yeah, and I left him dead on the floor. I didn't loot his corpse or anything because he didn't have anything I wanted. So he's just gonna stay dead in the store forever. <laughs> and then the funniest thing was that I um I had a I I now am in this phase because I'm I'm in the Fighters Guild mm. and I'm at a point in the game where every quest in the Fighters Guild is a hit. Mm-hmm. And so I sorry had that to, was a work email noise. Oh uh, okay. Um I had to perform a hit on this orc. No, was it an orc? Yeah, I think it was an orc They're or a, a Khajiit. It was an orc. Yes. I had to perform a hit on an orc that lived across the river and had a big house. I'm like, oh, yeah, this is my house. This is my new house. Go in the house, and I own the orc, killed him, and I slept in his bed. And then I was I was in the room, uh, in the te- uh, transmission room, with a friend of mine who um, was watching me play. So then I was looking at the racks. He had uh, some shelves on the wall. <laughs> he had some shelves on the wall. Looking at it racks. had bottles. He had bottles on the sh- on the racks, and I said, "You know what? I don't like these bottles. This this doesn't aesthetically please me." So I took the bottles off of the shelf, and I went outside and put all the bottles outside in front of the house, and went back in and put my stuff on his shelves. <laughs> it's like, like, you know, and and I know I'm late to the party because I haven't been playing Skyrim, and I hadn't played Skyrim when it came out, and I still don't have Skyrim, and I probably won't for a long time, but. Like everyone was talking about how they like fill their houses with cheese, cheese because they could. Oh my god! And then I, I think there was this video of someone like with all of his cheese wheels, he just set them rolling down a hill. Oh I man! I could be I could be misremembering this, but I I, I could have sworn I saw something like that. Um. So yeah, I'm I'm I don't know how far I'm in the game, but I'm trying to actually finish the game. And my character is level four, which is still relatively weak, I think. But um, I'm over level one, which is fucking amazing because I couldn't Christ. get to level two in Oblivion. Uh, really? Well, I didn't play it for that long. Oh, 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 I thought you meant in terms of like how hard it was to get to level two. I was no, like, no, no. It was just that I I didn't play it enough, and I thought that it was gonna be easier to get to level two. But I forgot you have to like level a whole bunch of abilities in order to get to gain a full level. But um, let's see. The last things that I've been playing lately. Uh, I bought Prince of Persia for Game Boy Color before I went to Barbados, and that game is hard as hell. Um, is, I'm talking port- about the original Prince of yeah, Persia. Yeah, it's a port of the it's original. It's a right, port right. of the original, and it's completely faithful to it. I was going to say, I'm not, like, not like that GBA port of the 3D Prince of Persia, and this was a port down of that. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 okay. no. This is the old 1991 or whatever uh, PC port Jordan of Prince Mechner. of Persia. And um, I'm on level 5 of 12, and you have an hour to beat the game. Mm-hmm. Um, so, thankfully, I have save states. So, like, if I fuck up during a level, I'll just restart the right. save, right. The, the state. And I'll, you know, that's a game that you got to keep playing because you got to memorize how to, how the level goes. And now level 5 is, like, really complex, so I kind of put it on hold for a bit. When did you buy that again? Um, Performing to Barbados, so that was, like... June 13th. Have they been keeping up with their promise of saying, okay, every X day of the week we're going to have one more new virtual console game? Uh, based, on, the, based on what you saw in the market. Well, you mean the what Nintendo had promised like before? 
I think at E3 they said something like that they would start doing. Oh, you mean re- this E3? Yeah, they right? would start doing. Yeah, regular... that was the summer of eight bit. Oh, it's only oh, it's only in the summer. Okay. I think so. Yeah, because so far they brought out Zelda, the original, um, some Game Boy games. Uh, they have Mario Land on sale for like two, three dollars, and yes, I bought it. Um, and it's actually not as bad as I thought it was. Stop Vulcan death gripping me, baby. <laughs> Hello, baby. Oh, she says she doesn't know what a Vulcan death grip is. Oh, I thought you meant the baby. No, 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 the baby's not here. Okay. Um, I have also been playing Fire Emblem and Sacred Stones. I'm on chapter six, and that game is fun. But I, I gotta I finish the first that one. In, oh, the first one you got. You gotta finish the first one. Um, I've kind of stopped playing Dylan's Rolling Western because it's very stressful. Uh, <laughs> because I don't like it when the the rocks attack my uh, fortress and they break down my walls and then they eat the stupid scrogs and then I get lower points mm-hmm. for finishing the level because I can't keep them away. So I'm kind of stuck right now on stage four, day three, and I need to have a day like where I have no stress at all. Yeah. And I'm focused, and then I'll go and do it, and I'll set up the, the towers and. I'll go run around and do my thing. But right now, that game is like really, really tough on me. Um, and now I'll talk about the music games. I have Zombie Dio and Theatrhythm. And Zombie Slayer, I mean, they're both very similar games. Except for um, how they're played, I guess. Um, Zombie Slayer Dio is a rhythm game about a guitar playing Zombie Slayer. Named Dio. Named Dio. Spelled D I O X and the X is silent. silent. <laughs> and and um, there's a easy and a normal and hard mode. The easy mode is really manageable, where essentially you have to slash the zombies as they come towards you. So you're on the left side of the screen, walking toward the right automatically. The zombies are walking. Well, you're walking in place, and the screen is scrolling. Right. The zombies are walking towards you, and when they reach the circle right in front of you. You have to slash either up or down, left or right, or in a diagonal. Wait, just to clarify, is this, I forget, is this a DSiWare game or a 3DSWare game? It's a 3DSWare game. Okay. And um, this this guitar-playing zombie slayer kills them with a katana, but he plays guitar. <laughs> I think that has uh, some kind of effect later on or something. But uh, they play, like, original music, which isn't really all that impressive right now. But um, now, if that game were created by Brendan Small, oh, now if that game was created by Brendan Small, it'd be a different story. Like if it was like a Death Clock music Thunder game, Horse you had to, it'd be sick. So um, I, I'm up to stage two two, which is basically like the sixth, no, the fifth stage in the game, uh, the fifth level, F-I-F. and it get it gets a little tough, like here and there, but it's on easy mode right now, so it's not that hard. But when I start playing normal. I, I have a feeling it's going to get really hard really fast because the way the difference between normal and easy mode is that easy mode you just have to slash in a direction. But not a problem. You know, right. sometimes it comes faster than you might expect and you have to slash faster on the screen. But normal mode you have to combine a slash with a direction on a direction pad which corresponds to a color. Oh, goodness. So you have to know oh. what direction corresponds to what color. Right. They're going to come at you, and the orb, well, the circle that has the slash on it is going to be red, blue, green, or yellow. And it's and it, so, it, it doesn't give you any other indicator, right? It's just like, here's a color, just remember. Uh, well, on the bottom screen, it'll 
it, it I think it arranges the colors in uh, across, so you can tell that. But it's hard yeah. to look at the bottom screen and then look at the top screen and listen to the music since you don't really know what the music is right. and time it right. That's that's what I was thinking because like, it w- wouldn't it have been a little bit easier if they had like a silhouette of the D pad on the orb and they highlighted? I think that there is a uh, a circle that closes down on it, but. Um, I don't know the rhythm of it because I never really look at the bottom screen. <laughs> but they, the, at the bottom screen is very informative. They tell you what the direction is. I think they have that circle that closes down on it, and at one point you're supposed to slash, and it tells you what's next. Right. Um, but like I said, I, I mostly look at the top screen because that's all I really have to pay attention to on easy mode. Um, now on the other side of the coin, you have Theatre Rhythm Final Fantasy. Right. Which, um, is a grand music game based on all of the music of Final Fantasies 1 through 13 and it's 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 pretty cool like I went through the entire series uh, on basic mode um the way it works is you have an opening which is the opening theme of the game can can, can I can I jump in play. really quickly mm-hmm. and just get yes. this out of the way about the game be- Definitely, because because my interest. Was oh wait, deep. did you play it? No, I saw I saw oh, okay. a quick look of it. My All my right. my impression of the game dramatically did a one eighty because when I first saw the trailer for it, it just looked like a rhythm game, and it just looked like swipe yeah. tap, swipe tap tap, swipe tap slash tap mm-hmm. swipe tap. Uh, and people are like, I would rather play Elite Beat Agents. And if you base your opinion just on that, y- you know, y- you would not be faulted for thinking that's all it was. Exactly, it's not that. No. Watch a quick look well, or listen to Al. It's not that. There's well, leveling up. It is, but it's not. Yeah, I there's mean, yeah, up. there's a lot behind it. I don't understand. But the actual gameplay. But see, here's the thing. You were probably watching basic gameplay, too. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you in a second. Um, but it starts out with an opening sequence where the, the object is just to tap the screen when the little music note orbs reach the, the center crystal. of the crystal yeah. in the rhythm of like it comes with each game's own interpretation of it right so if you're playing Final Fantasy no it comes with each game's opening so like Final Fantasy VI's opening is oh the organ music yeah oh okay okay it's not the main theme it's just the opening okay yeah, it's the opening for each game. So it's the opening for one, the opening for two, which sounds like the opening for one, but it's in, with different um it's different key? instruments. Oh, okay. Um, and and I think it's in a different key too. Then there's the opening for three, which, which sounds like two and one, which is which likewise it, different in its own likewise, way. Likewise, different instrumentation is four, Same thing for four that has the evolution of the theme song. Right. Five has a completely different song. The the chocobo scene intro where yeah. butts I'm still calling them butts is right <laughs> on the choco chocobo and. Yeah. Yeah. Is is seven is seven the whole um what do they do how do they handle seven? Seven is um is the Final Fantasy theme song from one with the new evolution from four. Okay. Where you know They don't do the whole intro. They don't do the bombing mission. Okay. Bombing mission is probably gonna be DLC. Okay. Um I'll say that. But um or it's extra um, encore, which I'll talk about in a second. All right. Anyway, that's opening. Then you have, in a, whatever order that they have for the particular game, field music stage, battle music stage, and event music stage. Field music stage is, of course, whatever the main theme of the of the game is, uh, which is usually played on the overworld. Right. And you have to tap to the rhythm of that. And the way that works is your character's walking from the right the right side of the screen to the left. And your cursor's in the at the top part of the screen, and there's tap, there's slide, 
where you have to slide in, in the direction, direction yeah. that um, it's pointing to, which is any of the eight directions. And then there's hold. And hold, in field music, you're usually doing, like, sine waves. Yeah, I want so to ask you about that. you hold it on screen, you do sine waves. Because you're not tapping on the screen that the icons appear in, because that's how Elite Beat agents work. So you can, you, you're actually following a track directly, because your stylus is on the thing that you have to follow. In the quick look, it looks like this, all the stuff is on the top screen, and your stylus is on the bottom screen. So it's kind, there's kind of like a disconnect, kind of like how Nintendo Dogs and Cats, you're petting the dog or cat, but you're not actually petting them because mm-hmm, your stylus you're is petting not something on, on the, the screen. Dog. So how does that feel? Uh, well, the good thing is that you don't have to have a stylus in any particular location. Right. It's just but relative I find to where you myself, put it down. Right. And then I find myself moving the stylus <laughs> it's like say you know the the game is moving from right to left so my stylus is moving from right to oh, left. oh you're like creeping to the left mm-hmm. and especially on expert mode where it's going a lot faster and it's the slides are like wider yeah so like for example the the overworld theme for final fantasy one it's it's really like in the rhythm of the main instrument of the song mm-hmm. and then when you're doing certain things you're like up and down from the top to the bottom of the bottom screen, and then I find myself, oh, oh snap! I gotta put my my stylus back All of in it, the yeah. to the left. Yeah, you gotta to the right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even though you know you don't necessarily have to move the stylus toward the left or the right unless you're doing a slide, mm-hmm. but then that gets in the way because like a lot of times slides uh, holds end in slides. So you hold and you're doing a sine wave, and then when you're supposed to normally let go, you can shoot it off to the upper right or up or down or to the left and that adds a separate dimension to that particular thing and then halfway through the level there's a a feature zone where if you get it completely right you become a chocobo and that's what i was going faster okay um the whole goal of the field music stage is to get as far as you can so that you can encounter mog and the character from the game like a support character who gives you it's a not, treasure. Right. It's not to finish a predetermined uh, length of the song. It's to get from point A to point B, and the song is what drives you, right? Well, you, you, you're going through a predetermined length of the song. But oh. depending on your character's agility, you go a certain distance or not. So okay. if you're playing with characters that have high agility, then you're going to get to, say, um, you know, in Final Fantasy VII, you're going to get to um, Tifa. I, I don't re- even remember if it is Tifa, <laughs> but in the Final Fantasy VII field music stage, you would get to her at the end of the stage. Whereas if you had low agility characters, you might not even get there. Right. You and know, and that, that's, is that what drives whether you succeed or fail? Uh, that drives whether you get a higher score because um, you get different ratings based on when you hit the the orb. You get critical, great, good, bad, miss. Okay. And obviously the objective is to get all criticals. And if you get all critical, you get S rank all critical. Uh, That gives you more currency. uh, No, it gives you more points and allows you to basically, it's, you know, bragging rights. You get a better score and everything. Hold on. Holding. Okay. (laughs) I I heard you like go, yeah, something. Yeah. But um, anyway. Uh, the, the, you know, just for completionist sake, because there's trophies in the game too. I'm pretty sure there's a trophy for getting all critical and everything. Um, there's also a perfect chain. If you don't get all critical, but you get everything without missing it, you get a perfect chain. 
and usually you get a uh, an S rank if you get a perfect chain. But you can get an S rank without getting a perfect chain. Just have to do good. Um, so anyway, that's the field music stage. Then is the battle music stage where you're fighting enemies to the song of right. whatever battle music. It could be the regular battle. It could be the boss battle. Four is the theme. Um, is a fiend music. All right. Four is the battle of four fiends. Five is the battle on the big bridge. One is the first battle. Battle one. Uh, two is uh, two is the boss battle. But for DLC, they have battle one, and for three, they have battle one. You know, it, it varies depending on what game it is. Right. And as you're doing the taps, if you complete a sequence for whatever character, because there's four lanes for each of the four characters that you have yep. in your party, and the notes go by in sequence in groups. And if you finish the group, that character attacks. If you mess up, the enemy attacks that character. And you lose life. And you lose life. And if you lose all your life, it's game over. There are hit points in this game, people. It's not just yes, rhythm. Sir. They're hit points, and if you mess up on the field music stage, you trip, and you lose that character, and then it goes to the next character in the party. And I'm assuming, because I've never lost a field music stage, but I'm assuming that if you lost all four of your characters, you or... Uh, I think that there's an HP bar, so I'm, I'm guessing that if you lose all four characters, it probably goes back to the first character. Mm. But if you lose all your HP, you, um, game over. Right. So the field music stage, um... The, not field music, the battle music stage, the goal is to get to the boss and beat the boss. And every game, of course, has their own boss. Uh, what's cool is that like they cycle through the all four fiends in in uh, Final Fantasy IV. And, of course, the goal is to beat Rubicant. Right. Um, you fight pretty much like... You fight Garland in one. That's the boss of one, I think. I'm pretty sure. Uh, because when you beat the boss, it like the screen shakes and like it flashes, almost like you beat a boss in six. Yeah, or for, like that. Uh, Garland is the first guy that you for, for the first boss, and also in some respects, I'm not going to spoil it, so never mind. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, yeah, and like in two, it's the emperor. Um, in three, I don't remember what the one in three is. I think it's like uh oh oh, it's Iron Giant in three. And in four, it's Rubicon. In five, it's Gilgamesh. Uh, six, it's Kefka. Seven, it's uh, One Winged Angel. Um, and that's the battle song, of course. Right, that's right, right. the reason. Um, in eight, uh, I don't know if it's the Sorceress. I don't think it's the Sorceress, but it could be. Um, I don't remember. I don't think I got to the boss in nine. And in 10, I'm not sure if I got to the boss of 10. And 11, I can't even tell what the bosses are in 11. <laughs> uh, in 12, it's a judge. And in 13, I've only fought a Psycom Enforcer, which was not really a boss, but it was the boss of a, a Dark Note, which I'll explain in a second. Um, so that's how Battle Stage works. And it, that's really fun because A, you're playing to some of the best music in the game. And what's kind of messed up is that it throws you off because you're too busy, like, focusing on how awesome music is and feeling all nostalgic and remembering that time you fought the bosses when you were X amount of years old. But you're still trying to hit the stuff at the right time to get all critical. Right. Um, then there's event music where it takes you through an FMV, usually of the entire game, to the major event theme song of the game. Like in Final Fantasy, it's... Oh, crossing the bridge. Yeah. yeah. And it takes you from starting out in Corneria to fighting Garland to fighting the Four Fiends. And, and it's, it's, then there's. You said it's an FMV, right? It's an FMV of the original game graphics. 
Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no. I've, I've, uh, oh, I was, uh, I was gonna say that threw you off. No. Um, and then there's a feature zone in that. There's a feature zone in every thing. The feature zone of battle music is um summon. If you get it all right, you summon. I've seen Ifrit, Shiva, Ramu, and Odin, but I'm pretty sure there's more. Mm-hmm. Um, and the funny thing is that the first time I saw summon Odin was with lightning from 13. That's because that's her idolon and sorry, idolon. <laughs> like James Dolan. Um, <laughs> oh God. Yeah, I know. Uh, so, what was I saying? Yes. So, the feature zone of event music stage allows you to see the rest of it. So, when you get to a point, it's near the end. If you fail the feature zone, it just ends there. You don't get to see the ending of the uh, the event music, which is usually the ending of the game. Right. Um. Sometimes it's not. Like, in 11, there's no end to the game. But, um... <laughs> <laughs> after that, then you do the epilogue, which is usually the ending theme of whatever game it is. And you do the same tapping thing as you did in the opening. And the opening and ending are solely for the pers- purpose of getting rhythmia. Ah, rhythmia. 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 However you want to say which, it. Which I think is a very poorly chosen word because it makes me think of cardiac arrhythmia, which is no joke. Ooh, yeah, that's not a joke at all. Um, and that is the essence of, like, that's the whole thing that you're kind of going for in that's the game. That's the currency, right? It's the currency. It's not really a currency. It's more like something that you stockpile, and every time you reach a certain milestone, you um, unlock. unlock something. Yeah. Every 5,000, you unlock something. That's like the diamonds in, in Mutant Muds. Yeah. And when you reach 10,000, you, uh, you can end the game. I'm not going to say, I mean, it's obvious. But you can end the game once you hit 10,000. Uh, I'm guessing it happens every 10,000, but I'm not sure. Because I only have like 14 or... No, I might have 16,000. But you unlock something every 5 grand. And that happens for Final Fantasies 1 through 13. And after you finish that, then you actually open up what's called Encore Stage or Encore Story. Or I forget what it's called. But it's just a selection of songs that unlock as you play the game further. The first song that unlocked for me, I don't know if it's the same for everyone, but the first song that unlocked for me was Dancing Mad, and I was over the moon. Because <laughs> that's like my one of my most favorite battle songs in Final Fantasy. And it's only the end of it, it's not the whole thing. Not the ah. whole 10, 15 minutes of it. Because, probably because of space restrictions, and probably because if you were to play. They're the going to sell you parts minutes, 1 and 2 as DLC. I, if they do, I will get them. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's three parts. Because there's three statues. The three statues in any capital. Oh, right, 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 right. Yeah. Yeah. But um, the third stage would probably be very boring. Um, well, then again, it'd probably be a lot of... Anyway. Um, then there's DLC, which I've bought a couple of. Uh, I haven't played them yet. But what there usually are are field music or battle music stages. And you can play them separately in the challenge mode, which is unlocked after you finish the first stage. And what it is is... It allows you to use expert score. It, it, it allows you to play expert mode on those stages. And if you finish all three of the stages, field music, battle music, event music, of a particular game in expert mode with an A or above, you get to play that in series on expert. You get to play that um, what in, in, in expert? Because you, right, you have series mode, which is playing all five of those segments that I told you, opening, field yeah. music, event music, battle music, and closing. Yep. For one through thirteen, right. When you first play the game, you can only do it in basic, basic difficulty. Oh, okay, okay. Even okay. after you finish the game, you can only do it in basic difficulty. You okay. can just try and get all S rank. But you only unlock the expert mode after you do this extra step. You mean? 
Right. Okay. Once that's, you finish, that's, that's, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Once you finish the series, then you can play it in challenge. And once you finish the challenge for all three of those levels with the A or above, then you can play it in series all together. Gotcha. As opposed to doing it one at a time. So now you, you have, um, you know, a chance to get even more rhythm, you have even more XP for your characters, because every time you finish a stage, you get XP, you get more XP for a harder, harder difficulty, etc. And then if you finish Expert with an A or above, you get to open Ultimate Score. And Ultimate Score is where it gets real serious. Like, I don't... Yeah, I haven't finished an Ultimate Score yet. I've gotten Fs. Like, I <laughs> tried to do... Uh, I tried to do, I think, the first Final Fantasy theme song. Couldn't do it. I tried to do Battle at the Big Bridge. It's, like, ridiculous. You know how fast that song is. Once you get be- beyond the opening. It's the opening you don't play through. Right. But once you're, like, you're playing every note. And it's not like you're just tap, 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 tap. It's, like, tap, tap, hold, tap, tap, shift, 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 tap, tap, shift. And it's ridiculous. Um. So... That's another thing to do in the game. And on top of that, if you thought that that was, you know, not enough, then you enough. have the you have, you have the cow shrine, which I call it it's chaos shrine. The cow? Oh, the cows. I thought you said the cows, as in, like, the no, cow no, level no. in Diablo. I was like, what? It might as well be, right? Um, but the chaos shrine is, of course, when you enter it, it goes... But with the uh, Final Fantasy Dawn of Souls version, not the oh. original Final Fantasy, which is still good. Um... You are able to do what's called dark notes, and this is what allows. This is where the multiplayer aspect and the street pass comes into play. Uh, dark note is they have. I don't even know how many dark notes there are. I don't know if it's random. I don't know how it works, but you get a dark note by getting Rhythmia, and then once you finish a dark note, you can unlock another dark note that's of higher difficulty. And the higher the dark note number, the harder it is. And you can trade dark notes with other people via street pass. Mm. You can do dark notes. So, uh, basically, a dark note is a field music stage and a battle music stage. And you don't know which ones. You don't know what up. they are until yeah. you do it. And then once you do it, then it's set in stone. But then there are also three bosses, and those bosses drop things. And those drops, most likely, I've only gotten drops from them that uh, contribute to unlocking extra characters. So yes, there are more than the thirteen char- thirteen main characters of Final Fantasy, as that you can play with. That you can level up. It's just like, okay, we got a lot more to do in this game than just play and try and, like, you know, finish the game. We want to level up. We want to unlock abilities. We want to be stronger. We want to be able to kill those bosses within the time period of the song. And now, we want to be able to do a a dark note without dying because it's all, like, expert mode and probably expert and up. So, like, a higher dark note, like a 40 or 50 or 60, number 60 will be and then they have movements like they're kind of structured like symphonies so it's like number 22 right opus opus five movement one and two you know yeah and so i'm thinking that those opuses kind of change so i could get a number 22 you can get number 22 but get different opuses or opi or op opiates anyway opiates 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 yes we can get different (laughs) opiates and we get high and um now here's the thing you can do it solo and you can do it multi I've never played a Dark Note multiplayer. I've never played this game multiplayer yet, but I think that that would be really cool to be able to have two people playing this Final Fantasy Rhythm game like this. And then you unlock cards that have the stats on all the different enemies and the characters in the game, and that's just a little side thing, and you trade those 
with the street pass too. It's 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 crazy. Let me ask you something real quick for for mm-hmm. others because I already asked you this in person. Um, in person over I am. <laughs> uh, yeah. For for those people who haven't yet played some of the Final Fantasy games, how spoilerish does it get, and is it easy to avoid those spoilers? Uh, it gets a little spoilerish. Like, um, I mean, the, the the weird thing is that like if you don't. If you haven't played a Final Fantasy or are not familiar with it, like I wasn't really familiar with Eleven, even though I played it for sixteen hours a day, like eight <laughs> years ago. <laughs> um, I only remember one, uh, two songs from um, from Final Fantasy Eleven. It's the battle song, the main, the regular battle song, which I think is a DLC track, mm-hmm. and uh, the the Vanadil March, which is the opening, and it has a piece of the crystal theme in it. But um, playing the songs, I didn't have as much of a connection to it because I didn't even remember. Oh, it's from that part of the game. Right. Because I haven't played it for eight years, and I'm not going to go back to it because I'd have to pay for it, and I have to find people right. to play with, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but as far as games that other people haven't played that aren't 11, uh, I think that, you know, and most likely that those games are going to be 12 and 13, and for you it's 10 as well. Mm-hmm. Um, 10 focuses on... Uh, the Suteki Dane, uh, which is the love song of Final Fantasy X. Ten, sorry, yeah. And it doesn't do much with the plot. Like, the event music stage is Suteki Dane. The closing is another version of Suteki Dane. And then there's a DLC track, which is another version of Suteki Dane. I'm like, okay. Um, it's a good song and everything. But to have it three times, it's like, yeah, it's overused. And that's good, because that doesn't reveal, like, the twist of Final Fantasy X. Okay. And the battle music is Battle with Seymour, which it, it, it kind of reveals, oh yeah, you gotta fight Seymour. But that has absolutely nothing to do with the main plot. I mean, not nothing to do. It is not a spoiler, quote-unquote. Let me tell you, I heard the Battle of Seymour on Black Mages. Um, and it, this is actually kind of funny. I heard the Battle of Seymour on Black Mages before I finished Final Fantasy X. I actually started, restarted Final Fantasy X after hearing that song. And it's like a dance song. It's like, boom, 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 boom. It's a silly song. But I like it. And I waited the entire game to find that song. I was like, where's that song? Oh, I'm going to fight him now. No, I didn't fight him. Oh, I'm going to fight him now. When you hear the song. No, not now. And yeah, it, it's, it happens it's, really yeah. late in the game when you actually do fight Seymour. But it's something kind of to look forward to. Yeah, but it's also one of those things that, like, when when you and this is what I allude to when I, when I talk about like, you know, TV shows and and someone telling me that oh, so so and so character is gonna might die or something like that. Like, I don't want to know that, even though you might assume it. Like, you're you're spending the episode that you're watching anticipating something happening instead of enjoying the episode. True, true. Which is what I just described. Right. And um, so, like, that's not something that uh that that. <laughs> <laughs> that I care to experience, but it's okay because I'm probably gonna. By the time I get to that game, I'm probably gonna forget what a Seymour is, anyways. <laughs> well, in the main game, at least they have um, Man with the Machine Gun as your um, as your battle music stage. Okay. No, Man with Machine Gun is eight. Wrong game. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was like, what? What are yeah, you gonna eight? See, There's both, no Seymour. Both in eight? Those games, yeah, both of those games are completely like yes. Seymour is in ten. Machine Gun is in eight. Um, thirteen. <sighs> They focus on that that the main theme of the game, like they what they do is um, musically, because you know it's, it's, I think it's I don't even know who does the music for Thirteen. It might be Tetsuya Nomura. Oh no, yeah. he's a producer, no, or is he a composer? Uh, Nomura's a producer. 
Yeah. I don't I don't know who does the music for 13, but it's Thir- not... 13, I Umatsu. think, um, is... Let's see. I have the soundtrack, but keep on going while I find it. Um, there's that main theme. They have, like, different versions of that song, and... That's the opening. Masashi Hamauz. I gotta, I gotta open this up. Sorry. Um, <laughs> uh, well, they have different versions of it, and they Masashi Hamauzu. Okay. Um, so they do that Whoever same that kind is. of thing with Sutekinane in thirteen, and the FMV for the event music. I think they do that like second. Usually, when they do the event music last, is when they do the whole game. But when they do event music first or second, it's like a certain part of the game that they focus on. Right. So you you won't really notice anything. And the only other thing that I would say is a spoiler or potentially a spoiler is the ending. Because in the opening and the closing, there's scrolling text. Kind of like how in Final Fantasy 1, 2, 3, and 4, yeah. there was scrolling text showing yeah. the the description of the story. They do that for the end, too. And uh, But as you get further and further along... like into 8, 9, 10, you know, when they didn't have that scrolling text, 7, 8, 9, and 10, mm-hmm. even 6 to a point, the they made it up, or they used a line, uh, a se- several lines from the ending, and they put them together. In, but in the scrolling text. Yeah, in the scrolling text. So it's like a, fr- a piece of the ending, but it doesn't reveal the story. Like, well, in 12, it reveals the story. So you may want to ignore the text that's scrolling by. Yeah, that, if you don't that, want to know that'd be hard to do because the, the text is scrolling right under the notes. Right. And the thing is, well, when I that's do it, that's funny to me. When I when I try to read the words, I wind up missing one or two of the notes. So I'm usually focusing on the crystal. Yeah. yeah but at yeah. the same time, you know, there's pictures in the four corners. Like of the you'll 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 observe appear. it. You'll see it, and that's the type of stuff that comes to you in dreams, and then you wake up and you're like, I just saw the ending to that game. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> So yeah, to to a point like in thirteen, like they tell you like what happens, but it's not a spoiler to me because it doesn't involve the the, the more important elements of what happened at the end of the game. Mm-hmm. In twelve, they kind of reveal the whole thing, and technically, since that's like a seventy-hour game, you may want to read it. And uh, in ten, it's 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 a couple of lines um, of you know dialogue that occur so there's there's a little to it but uh that's all i gotta say about final fantasy because that's a lot um uh, the only final other fantasy what the 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 the, 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 rhythm. the, the, the that that rhythm that rhythm final Feature fantasy. Them, batman um the last thing that i briefly want to talk about like for half a second is johnny kung fu which i bought with my switch force over the weekend johnny uh, johnny kung fu it's a game that i saw uh, a trailer for at the eShop. It's a 3DS game. And I'm like, I gotta get this game because it's so wacky. Essentially, it is a beat-em-up that combines Game & Watch with traditional beat-em-up and it's all based on trying to finish the game within an hour. Oh. Uh, the premise is simple. Your girlfriend gets kidnapped by the evil UFO Corporation. This game is made by UFO Entertainment. Um, and you are Johnny Kung Fu and you can <laughs> go beat everybody up to get your girlfriend back. And uh, it starts out with a Donkey Kong-ish Game & Watch game. And you have to... You, you see all of the different animations that you can make, you know, in lightly tinted. And you have to dodge bombs and beat up the first guy. Then go up to the second level and dodge knives or hatchets and beat up the second guy. Then you have to turn on the elevator on the third level and dodge laser beams and get in the elevator. And that's all you have to do. 
Then the second level, you have to fight a whole bunch of guys. You have to kill 15 guys, and you finish the level. Boom. Then you get to the next level. The next level is um, uh, I don't remember exactly if this is it, but this is another variation of the level. Um, you have to juggle bombs in a Game and Watch style kind of environment where every t- it's more like a Tiger Electronics kind of game where you press left or right and he has a different position. <laughs> yeah, and the the bombs <laughs> going <laughs> eh, 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 yeah. and you have to touch the bombs before they hit the ground. Um, then there's another stage where you gotta kill 15 guys, but then a, a, a lead guy comes out who's has a different technique than the guys you just fought. Mm-hmm. Um, then after you beat him, then there's an, like another level where you have to. This this one is really good, but I hate it. <laughs> it's you and a bad guy standing in front of you. The counter goes three, two, one, and two numbers pop up. If your number is higher than theirs, you have to attack them before they dodge. If their number is higher than yours, you have to dodge before they attack. If the numbers are the same, you have to attack them or dodge, where you really want to attack them before they attack you. And you have to basically take their energy away. Uh, and then the final version of levels is a boss level, where you have to fight this guy who throws, not, throws knives at you, and later on he shoots missiles at you. And 99% of the, of the missiles are just regular missiles, and you hit them, you punch or kick them, and they fly away. But one of them is flashing, and when you hit it, it goes back at the guy and it stuns him. And then you have to run up to him and punch him before he recovers from the stun. And you do that like three or four times, and he falls out, dies, whatever. And then your girlfriend, who's the, it's tied not up, o- in the it's not only game and watch stuff, though, right? No, no, no. The g- only game and watch stuff is the, the the dodging of the bombs and stuff, the catching of the bombs, and that uh, which number is higher game. The others are in 3D on the top screen. Okay. Um. Oh, oh there's one more level where this guy, one of the bad guys, turns a circuit breaker off, and he turns off all the color in the game. <laughs> and then you have to it, it's it's more tiger electronics this one is also a tiger electronic kind of game but it's in the the main graphics of the game it's in black and white and there's a guy who pops up on one of five parts of the stage and you have to rush up to him and punch him before he punches you or disappears and later on there's glass falling from the sky and the glass falls faster as it gets more difficult but you have to punch that guy and re- restore the color to the level so everything else is in color in 3D. Well, not 3D. It's in, you know, like flash graphic 2D type of thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a really cool beat 'em up, and it gets very tough. Like I thought I could finish it real quick, but it, I, I'm not like full floor 23. I think I'm really close to the end of the game because it's unforgivingly hard. There's this one guy who, like, every time you and here's the thing: like when you encounter that one guy that. Uh, has a different skill than all the 15 guys you fought before, 30 guys you fought before. He has a move where he flashes and he's invincible and he does the move and you gotta get out the way before he hits you. It takes off like crazy amounts of energy. This one guy, he like does a spinning sword attack. Then the next level, before you fight this, the, the, you know, same type of boss that does what the other guys don't do, the other guys are this guy with the sword. So you're fighting like five of these guys, and they all can like spam the sword attack on you and bounce you in the air, and you like die. And then the guy that comes out after that, he does this move where he bull charges you, and he takes off 99% of your energy with that one hit. So that's where I can't pass right now. And uh, every time you die, or every time you lose all three of your lives, you um, can continue. If you continue, it takes five minutes off your counter. So then it gets a little more hectic, and a little more hectic, and then they're like... Hurry up, you have five minutes left. You cannot continue after this. Oh, I gotcha. 
and if you die, then game over, and then you, so, they save your score. I was I was sneaking a look at the at one of the gameplay trailers while you were talking about it, and then I was like, mm-hmm. I might get this, and then you started talking about the guys who you can't pass, and I'm like, maybe not. <laughs> um, it, it it's a little frustrating for me, but like I figured out how to get around it. Like you can jump back and forth into the background with the R button, yeah, and you really have to use that ability to get away from that. You like, have to have them management you can't be yeah, because you gotta have them all in front of you. You can interrupt the move when they're not the one guy you have to fight, which is mm-hmm. good. But if they're behind you, you can't interrupt them. So I've I figured out how to how to beat them. But beating that gorilla dude is gonna be that's the next test for me. I know I had a lot of fucking games. <laughs> I know I took up most of the fucking podcast. We talk about all these games, and I still have more which I won't talk about. I'm oh. just saying Finding of Isaac. Uh, oh crap! That that must oh, shit. Well, I don't have time to talk about almost anything. Um. What should I... I'm sorry. Uh, what do you want to hear about? Okay, I've been playing Ocarina of Time, Rhythm Heaven DS, Order of Ecclesia, which I beat, uh, Ghost Recon Shadow Wars, which I beat, uh, I already talked about Meat and Muds with you, and then Sakura Samurai, which I beat, um, I think I talked about Shantae last time, I beat that. You talked about Shantae, yeah. And I definitely talked about Mighty Switch Force last time, which I beat. Mm-hmm, yep. Um... I would like to hear a little of what you thought of the last parts of Ghost Recon and the game before that. <laughs> Ecclesia? No, the game before that. Rhythm Heaven? Rhythm Heaven. So, Ghost Re- I, I, you know, Ghost Recon is one of those games, I can't remember if I, if it actually came out at like full $40 Nintendo tax price or if it was like 30 bucks. I can't remember, but. I think it was 35 I don't remember. Okay, cause I know I got it as a launch title. And it's one of those games that, um, ease, that I, that I felt, and, you know, you, you could chime in. Did you beat it yet? No, I'm, I'm not even halfway through. I think I'm like chapter three, somewhere or other. Oh, you haven't, you haven't gone forward since I talked about how short it was. Or not how yeah, short it was, but that, how long it ended up being. Um, I was busy playing all the other stuff I was talking about. Yeah, uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> I think, I think it's an adequate, uh, strategy game. I don't think it's, um, I don't think it's quite as, um, um, quite as instant fun as Advance Wars is. I don't think it's mm. quite as involving as some other tactical games are, you know, in in the vein of a, a Tactics Ogre or a uh, FFT, a... Final Fantasy Tactics or, or a Fire Emblem or something like that. But I think it's, it's, it's a good kind of, like, it's another good time waster. Um, I, I was satisfied with it. I don't regret it at all. Um, I I definitely enjoyed it. I think should I play it on regular mode instead of elite? I haven't played it on elite, so I it, don't... It, elite is they they think in elite like it, they they fuck me up sometimes. There there are there is maybe like one or two moments that playing on normal I got totally hosed and had to rethink my approach. Um, so I don't know how hard those would be in elite mode. Um, and perhaps that is why I thought it was only adequate. Um, I mean, I like the framework around it. I like the way that they've set up the whole, um, uh, attack, counterattack system, uh, the damage system with regards to, like, distance away from the enemy versus the damage that you do. Um, and, like, how you can kind of set up multiple characters in your squad to, like, counterattack this one guy who's hitting you, because depending on the firing range of their weapons, um, that's not something that you can do in a game like Advanced Wars, that's not something that you could do in a game like Final Fantasy Tactics or Tactics Ogre, you know what I mean? Like, because mm-hmm. I, I haven't seen a game like that yet where if you attack one person, then three people attack, counterattack them back, 
And so it becomes, no, I've never seen it either. Yeah, it becomes a much bigger risk reward scenario, a much bigger risk scenario than a reward scenario because it's like, well, you can't just jump in and do whatever the hell you want. Mm. Um, so I like that framework, um, and I definitely don't think there's anything bad about the game at all. Um, and you know, for for lack of any other title on the system that falls within this genre, I thought it was. Very enjoyable. I think you should finish it out. Um, I think you might find it a little bit too easy uh, if you turned it back in maybe most of the missions. You would find it a bit too easy if you've been used to this type of gameplay and you've made it all the way to the middle of Chapter 3 playing like that. Um, mm-hmm. I found it I found it somewhat easy, which is why I was able to finish it. Um, I don't know that I'd be able to finish it if I turned it on Elite. I'm sure you could find a way because I'm not. I'm not great at strategy. I'm not great at game spirit. It's called time. <laughs> it would just take a long time. Yeah, and like I, I don't want to, you know, play a strategy set over and over and over again, because if you're in the middle of a stage and you realize if you realize halfway through that stage that you might have screwed up, and you play a little bit more and you screwed up, like. Starting from a suspend state save in the middle of that stage, you'll just screw up again because you've already mm-hmm. hit that point where, like, you're you're kind of you've kind of dug yourself into a hole. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to always start over and over and over again, you know. And that's probably why I wouldn't enjoy it if I set it on elite. Um, and that's not to say that the game is worse for it. It's just not how I enjoy my games. So true, true. Again, I don't, I don't know if you might find it too easy, and you wouldn't get as much out of the game as as you would if you kept it on elite. Um, but, uh, yeah, if you just want to see the game through, yeah, definitely turn off Elite. If you want to have the same experience that you've been having and actually enjoy, you know, the, strate- the strategy and, you know, feel fulfilling from the game, then you probably you probably want to keep it at Elite and, and just resign yourself to the fact that it's going to take a long time. <laughs> I'm, I'm personally glad that I kept it on normal and was able to finish it and, and see the ending stages. Um, I definitely think the whole game is worth a playthrough, regardless of what difficulty level you set it at. Um, okay. I don't think it's the greatest thing out there, but I, I think it's 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 breezy enough that you know you can you can put that on your finished shelf and you can say that you beat a game and you would still enjoy it somewhat, depending on your outlook on the difficulty. Yeah, I'm thinking that's what I'm looking for. <laughs> um, I, I I do think that um, I do think that um, just the satisfaction of playing with Ghost or Banshee or whoever whatever her name is the yeah. the, the stealth the stealth character with the knife is mm-hmm. kind of makes the game all worth it. Like regardless of whether it's difficult or not, just, you know, going like, and, and this carries over from Assassin's Creed, I guess, which is another Ubisoft franchise. This podcast is not brought to you by Ubisoft, although it would be nice if we made money off of it, but we don't. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's just, you know, stabby stabby is always fun. And in this game, it's no different. Um, especially stabby stabby when people can't see you. Mm-hmm. And I think the most satisfaction for me from this game came out of saying, okay, if I stab a dude and he doesn't die, then my cloak will disappear. So I got to figure out a way to stab him and not reveal myself. So either yep. I stab him and I use my extra turn that I get from like PowerPoints or whatever they call them, or I get someone else to shoot the guy before I stab him, or I stab him and hope he doesn't counter. Well, no, they will always have counterattack. So you know that this, it's that whole balance of like, well, if I go up and stab the guy and he counterattacks me, I'm kind of screwed because I'm right up in his face. Mm-hmm. Um, that and that always remains fun, no matter how difficult or easy the game is. Um, so depending on how much you kind of rely on that for the fun, it'll you know I I, I mostly got my fun out of that part. Um, and Rhythm Heaven DS. I tried a little bit of Rhythm Heaven um, Fever on Wii at the Nintendo World Store, and 
I, I, I almost want to say it's a shame that they made you use a touchscreen for Rhythm Heaven DS. Really? Because, and, and this echoes what I think a lot of people have said, I'm not quite sure, but based on some of the reviews that I've read, although it is still an excellent game in its own right, using the touchscreen instead of buttons reduces the precision that you are able to, 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 to have when you play the game. Mm, okay. And it makes it frustrating in some senses to to play the game as a result. You think you've hit the note or you think you've hit the rhythm when you really haven't. And and, and, and I'm fully aware that it could just be that I suck. I don't think I suck at this game, though. Like I don't I, like, know. I mean, that, all kidding there aside, are games that compensate like Final Fantasy really compensate some time. I don't think this compensates something? enough. Really? I, I don't. I think that... Is, I think that, you know, it's not a serious flaw. You can still get through the game, you can still play it well, but there are moments when you think you hit the note and it doesn't think that you did, and you get into an argument with it, and it's, you know, well, obviously you lose that <laughs> argument because you have no choice. Because it can't change. Yeah. But you, you, you see what I'm saying, right? It's not, it's not mm-hmm. like, it's not abysmal. It's, it, it's so, it's very playable. It's, it's, for the most part, it's fine. But in a rhythm game, for the most part, it, when you say for the most part, that's there are spots that you get frustrated with. Mm-hmm. You could play Guitar Hero with a little bit of lag for the most part, but it yep. gets frustrating in those points where you know you hit that note and it doesn't want to tell, it doesn't want to admit it. So you know, it, when you get to, I guess basically what I'm saying, when you get to a rhythm game, you kind of have to be perfect in order to be perfect. In other games, True. you could be good enough. Soul Calibur, you could buffer moves. It doesn't always m- match up with what your button presses are, but actually some people like that. Y- you yep. can kind of get away with something. Y- you have to be perfect in the rhythm game, just kind just like you have to be perfect in Street Fighter. Your frame, your frame um, sensitivity has to be perfect. So that's why you can't play Street Fighter online if there's even a little bit of lag, because then you get frustrated. You, you get mad at it. You're like, I hit that block. I hit that super move. And in this game, you have to be able to say, I hit that note. And with a button press, it's almost zero room for error. You screwed up, you screwed up. In Rhythm Heaven, mm. you slightly missed a tap or you moved your stylus a centimeter when you tapped, you messed up. Because there's a difference between swiping and tapping and flinging. Mm. And that's what that's what gives it the challenge, but that's what also makes it a little bit less precise. Because again, you want a rhythm game to be very exact, and not being able to do that in Rhythm Heaven DS 100% of the time, even 95%, almost seems not good enough. Still buy the game, still play the game, still an excellent game, but not as excellent as it could have been if you played with a button. I think Patrick Klepek said it best: with a button, you are either rhythming or not rhythming, and with a stylus, you don't. <laughs> always know you might miss a tap um i thought you had fever i i don't actually own it no i i i I watch videos of it but uh, playing with your finger is still not as good because you know the whole point of a stylus is that there's one point of precision where the stylus hits the screen and you know it's it's it it's just not perfect and it needs to be perfect um but but i figure if, if anything People should play Rhythm Heaven first and then play Rhythm Heaven Fever because I don't think they're going to want to go back to Rhythm Heaven if they're, if they're that sensitive to it. If they're not, then it's all gravy. <laughs> um, um, but yeah, uh, that's, that's Rhythm Heaven DS. I, 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 you know, maybe next time I'll touch a little bit on what I thought of Ecclesia because, um, you know, I was getting sick of those games, mm-hmm. but I, 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 you know, I, I have some, you know, I'll take five minutes now. Because uh, okay. I'm not, I'm not incredibly hungry yet. I will be in ten minutes. 
but I it's a it, it's pretty much a dichotomy. I liked what it did, but I don't like what it did, and and here's why. I liked how they separated the game up into different stages and not just a big castle. Mm-hmm. Um, for kind the of like whole what part, Ruin did right for the whole part. I didn't like though the fact that when you go through some of the levels in the game, you can very clearly tell where they copied and pasted blocks of st- blocks of level really? and put it into another. Yes. If you look at the two mountain levels, you can see that there's certain tile sets of rooms that are that are used over again. Like like, oh, I'm gonna go into this lower level and then there's gonna be like this bump in the road and then I'm going to come to a to a place where I can't go any fur farther, so I'm going to jump up into this little hole in the level and go back around and get this treasure chest. Well, that certain sequence of walking is the exact same in the other mountain level. They just put it somewhere else. Oh, here, this th- this part of the stage, I got to this point where I um, where there's like a bridge that goes from left to right and then when I go down, there's a bridge that goes from left to right and then when I go down further, farther, there's a bridge from right to left and then another bridge from right to left and then here's a hole in the bridge and then I move to the next screen. Well, that screen that you just passed is used in the exact same way in a different level that uses bridges. <laughs> like It's like they take Lego blocks of levels and just put them elsewhere. Wow. Um, it's pretty bad when you see it. If you don't notice it, then you don't notice it. But I noticed it and I was just like, really? Like, and, and in a sense, it kind of got me lost because I was like, wait a second. Is was this I just here? Right. Not, ju- well, not necessarily just, uh, was I just here, but I'm looking for certain items to, to fulfill quests by the townspeople. Mm-hmm. And I can only get certain items or certain, mo- or kill certain monsters in certain levels. And so if I come across that Lego block of, of level, and I'm like, oh, this must be that level that I'm supposed to be in, but I'm not. I'll spend the entire time looking through that level just to find the monster that I'm supposed to kill or the item that I'm supposed to get, only to spend an hour in there and realize that it's not there and I was looking at the wrong level. Mm. You know what I mean? So, um, it's, it's, it's a little bit, it's a little bit jarring. It's a little bit confusing, uh, when, when you're trying to, to fulfill towns, townspeople's requests. Now, if you're not even trying to fulfill those requests and you're just trying to play the game, then that's fine. But I wanted to, to play the game for everything that it was worth. And that's, and, and the townspeople thing was actually a cool part of it. I liked how they gave you little quests. Um, I liked how, even though they were kind of random fetch quests, you're like, oh yeah, now I have to like fight ten of these monsters, or I need to find five of these garlics or something, which those were annoying. <laughs> But like they're, they're, the townsperson that asks you to take pictures of certain monsters, I thought that was cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I just I think that, that it was cool in the first place that they added quests in a Castlevania game in a Castlevania game that took after Metroid, where they didn't always do that before. I don't remember if they did that to, to Portrait of Ruin. Do you remember? No. Okay. Wait. So, no. So like, I, I thought that was a cool addition. Um, I you know I wasn't surprised at the second half. I shouldn't call it a half. It's more like the last ten percent. I wasn't surprised at the last 10% of the game, which anybody who's played a Castlevania with the fake endings and all that stuff can mm-hmm. guess what it is. Um, someone who hasn't seen the castle for the entire game will, can guess what it is, but it's like, that part, I wouldn't necessarily say that I could have done without, but at the same time, maybe I could have done without it, because that just brings the game back to what the entire series since Symphony of the Night has been, and it's like, can we change it? And that's what makes me want to play the Xbox 360 Castlevania is that I don't believe it's a Metroidvania type of game. Which, Lords of Shadow? Yes. 
Yeah, I'm kind of interested in that because it's a reboot too, sort of. What what and and that's what troubles me about the 3DS sequel to Lords of Shadow is that it is a Vania is a, a mm. Metroid game. So I don't, I don't know uh, I don't know where that series is headed, but you know Ecclesia was a good entry. Um, part of me says four out of five. Part of me says I didn't have to play that. <laughs> I certainly didn't have to play Portrait of Ruin. Yeah. I mean, all these don't get all these games are well constructed, but like after Dawn of Sorrow, I don't have to play them anymore. And one could argue that you don't have to play Dawn of Sorrow, but I thought that that was so well done that I would have rather said, "Give me Dawn of Sorrow and delete every single one of those Game Boy Advance games." Like if they had just given us Symphony of the Night and then Dawn of Sorrow, I think that's the optimal. Yeah. I'm not being, and I'm not being saying that to be snarky. Like I'm thinking back on it, and I'm thinking back on my experiences, and I'm just like, it really could have stood alone just having, just having one PlayStation game and one DS game. Maybe you keep one of the DS games. Uh, uh, maybe you keep one of the GBA games, and that that's How about it. Aria Sorrow. <laughs> I See, mean, even- granted, Aria Sorrow and Donna Sorrow, it's the same game. But Donasaro refines what was started in Arya. I, I say you pick if you have to have a GBA game. I say you pick elements out of all those three games. Just make one game, just one game. Don't take Arya Saro's gameplay because it, it's already done better in Dawn. Mm-hmm. Maybe you take its its art style or the or or the story or whatever you want to do, and then you take a little bit of the card system from from Circle of the Moon and and make it work better. And maybe you take some of the music. <laughs> From <laughs> Harmony Distance. I can't even remember what I liked about Harmony. Like, I thought that... Anyway, I'm going off on a tangent here. I think the bottom line is um, is that, like, Ecclesia was a good game. Ecclesia was a very good game. It was also a game that I didn't need to play. Um, and I can't say the same about Dinosaur, and I certainly couldn't say the same about Symphony of the Night. So it's, it, 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 I think maybe Ecclesia might have been a better game if all those GBA games and Portrait of Ruin didn't come before it, if that makes any sense. And so yeah, maybe that's you be- wouldn't be so sick like, of it. Sick of it, yeah. Yeah, and so maybe that's a little bit unfair to Ecclesia. So I'm willing to say that. Um, it's it's kind of like it's kind of like me saying sitting here with another God of War and saying, well, when is this going to end? Mm-hmm. I'm enjoying it every step of the way, but when is it going to end? Is that fair to the latest God of War game in the series? Maybe not. So, um, but yeah, that's about it. Um, I think that uh, I guess I have plenty to talk about for next time. But next time we want to talk about the news. So mm-hmm. um, we'll wrap this segment up. I'm still calling this segment, <laughs> uh, and we will come back after the possibly couple of days break. We're back. Uh, well, if you if you're listening to the final mix, it sounds like we've just been gone for thirty seconds, but that's not true. <laughs> it's actually twelve thirty, no twelve fifty on Sunday, July twenty second, and that means that we recorded part one five days ago. Mm-hmm. But uh, maybe I should have broken the fourth wall. Anyway, we're back. Um, and. We're going to talk about some topics. There are a few things that we can talk about. We might not hit all of them, but uh, I-, I will leave it up to the man with longer hair because the more hair you have, the more power you have in this world, which is actually sadly kind of true. Samsung. Right. Oh, I thought you were saying Samsung. No, no, no. I... Sam- ha- 
I, I just mean that girls don't like bald people. <laughs> and, and, and that's the overwhelming feedback I've been getting. Not 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 me as in I'm bald because I'm not bald yet, but from what I see. Um, why are we talking about hair? That's my fault. I'm sorry. We have a couple of topics. We, the, the ooh-yah, if you haven't been following oh, yeah. that. The, the oh yeah um there there is a there's a blog post that I find very interesting that I uh, want to debate why do bosses exist um 3ds XL was was announced uh, I have a couple of gripes about that and then um to use games with or I, I don't really know too much about how they're handling it Al so you can you can drop the knowledges and stuff I'll try uh and then uh I do want to discuss Kid Icarus with you at some point maybe now or after the news I don't know what 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 do you since it's your birthday well it was two days ago <laughs> this is my gift to you you get to pick what we talk about. Oh great! Um, <laughs> yes, it's worth a lot of money. Use it wisely. I don't fucking know, man. Shoot. Um, <laughs> let's see. Happy birthday! Thank you. Thank That's you your present. Me. That's all you Th- get. Thank you very much. That's I, I. I like getting presents for my birthday. <laughs> let's talk about boss fights first. So okay, so the boss fights thing. Where did you see that? I saw that on Kotaku and. It's uh, in so it was like an op-ed type of thing. Yeah, it's uh, almost like an op-ed. Basically, um, I think it is a commentary. Let me just look at this. Yes, it's a commentary. So basically, it's just a dialogue between these two guys who, excuse me, <clears throat> who write for Kotaku, mm-hmm. and uh, let's see, just some uh, things that they say about it that. Uh, were significant were like uh, how bosses don't reflect like in the past when we grew up with games bosses were kind of like a test at the end of the level based mm-hmm. on what you did in the level and the enemies you fought the boss would be like an amalgamation of that stuff and it's just testing your skills and your knowledge so that you can pass the level mm-hmm. but lately bosses have been completely different from the the enemies or whatever tasks you've been performing throughout the the level mm-hmm. like um reading this uh I'll say okay the the two guys in the conversation are Kirk Hamilton and Jason Schreier mm-hmm. and uh Kirk says it's funny you mentioned that they were different experiences you know the bosses being different but it was um you know he says, for the most part, games just treat boss battles like a reward for slogging through endless dungeons and levels. They'd be different, unique experiences that were fun and challenging to take down in contrast to the rest of the game. So Kirk says, it's funny you mentioned they were different experiences. In an older JRPG, for example, the bosses weren't the same as the enemies you'd been fighting leading up to them. <coughs> you viewed it as a strength, right. but in mo- many modern games, the exact same thing feels like a weakness. Take, for example, the bosses in Deus Ex Human Revolution. And he says the whole problem with them is that they didn't feel in tune with the rest of the gameplay. Like, for example, you couldn't beat them with stealth, but it's a stealth game. Oh, uh, okay. Um, that was his point of view, and um, he Jason responds by saying he guesses that that was kind of disorienting for most players because the the bulk of the gameplay. Uh, he says probably because the bulk of the gameplay of Human Revolution is so smooth and satisfying that nobody wanted it to change the formula for boss fights and start acting like just another FPS. Yeah, I can I could I could see that. Um I if 
if if I could start start discussing this, just like I, I guess the the thing that I took issue with, and it could be my misinterpretation of what you told me the title of the blog was. I thought it was like why do bosses even exist? Oh no, that's the title. Is the word even in there? Mm-hmm. Okay. And th- there's that, and then there's a fact, and, and I think I told you about this uh, vocally off, you know, off the off the air, um, where I think this was on One Up Yours back when that podcast still existed uh, on OneUp.com, and Mark McDonald uh, was still working for or was working as a games journalist uh, for EGM and for OneUp, and I ca- I think it was him who basically was saying that like you know I I really don't care for boss maybe it wasn't him maybe it was garnet lee maybe it was someone else on that podcast but i remember the discussion kind of boiling down to well i don't think that they have a place in modern games anymore i don't think that they fit um it's it's like a contrivance and i i just i i really take issue with the sentiment of like well boss battles are like why why Mm -hmm. you know i i think that something something that you already raised um was you know, and okay, so part of it is, yeah, they're an amalgamation of the stuff that you would learn throughout the level, and now you use your skills against them. Um, taking that away, even taking away the, the the part about like the amalgamation of different parts of the level, it's and, and it being a test. It was, it's more like from a at least from a dramatic standpoint, it's the big encounter. It's the it's the thing that you know, that you get ready for and that you, you know, possibly it makes you a little more tense. Um, it's a little bit suspenseful because it's a longer battle. Um, you know, it, it in any kind of storytelling, or not any, but like in lots of storytelling, uh, what, you know, what you see in movies, what you read in books is that your your main character, whether it be protagonist or antihero or whatever, you know, goes through a series of events and then is is t- really tested by something. Maybe he's tested by he or she is tested by something every time. Maybe he or she is tested by something only after going through certain smaller experiences. But regardless, like part of that journey, part of the character's journey is being tested. So when 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 someone says that a boss battle takes you out of the story and takes you out of the immersion from the perspective of here is a game where the you know the momentum just keeps you pushing forward and keeps you going and going and going and now you have to stop and face a boss i get that i i understand where that sentiment comes from mm-hmm. but from the standpoint of like why do they even exist well i mean that that's that that's the game's way of telling their story that's the game's narrative that's the game's way of interacting with its audience an audience for a movie is passive they sit and watch an audience for a book is passive they sit and read but the audience for a game is is active. You, you are interacting with the thing, and so if you're sitting there and there are no spikes in um in in the obstacles that you face, there's no culmination of you know of tension or stress or 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 whatever. You know, then it. I'm not I'm not saying that that's a wrong way to go about it. There's certainly there are games without boss battles that are fine, but boss battles you know have have a place. They have a reason, and it's not just a simple contrivance. Um, to me, at least, I I I think it's a, it, I think it's a very important part of the history of the medium, and I think it's a very important part of certain types 
of games and the points that you know the folks in your in in your blog post in your blog like you own Kotaku, <laughs> uh, the, the the points raised by the Kotaku folks they are valid, but they are not a problem with boss battles as much as they are a problem with the designers making questionable decisions in how to employ those boss battles. So you know, for the question of why do boss battles even exist, uh, you know, that's my answer. It's it's well, it's part of it's part of the medium. Um, just because someone says I want to be immersed by the story, and you know, don't you know, throw a boss at me, um, you know, well, fine. That that's that's part of a different type of game, but that shouldn't eliminate the idea from all games. That shouldn't eliminate the idea from the medium. You know, and there's di- this medium is different from all the other mediums w- w- in which you would say, I'm not going to watch a movie. I- I'm not going to be watching a movie and then expect to see halfway through the movie like, um, like an especially strong creature like that that's completely different from what we've seen before assault my protagonist. Well, a movie is not a video game. A video game is not a movie. Stop trying to box, you know, what works for movies and books into video games. And that, that's that's actually the kind of the biggest problem that I have with a lot of modern games. They're like, oh, we want to make it more like a movie. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and it's like there are different ways to tell the story. It's it's the argument that they would actually have a lot on 1UP um, about storytelling in Metal Gear Solid versus storytelling in Half-Life or Half-Life 2. Oh, right, and the cinematics versus the... Uh... Versus, like, keeping you within the experience mm-hmm. um, and... Like, and I'm not going to discuss that. I'm just saying, in terms of like, there is a difference between how you tell the story or how you how you have the audience consume your experience. So, you know, if if the argument by some people is, well, it, it this wouldn't happen in a movie. Um, first, you're wrong. It would. We just saw the Dark Knight. Mm-hmm. We just like any superhero movie that you come across or whatever. There is a big encounter. Rocky. The boss battle is Apollo Creed. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's there. You know. Uh, but second of all, even if it doesn't happen in movies, like why does that make it wrong for it to happen in games? I don't know. But I, I'm interested to see how they concluded their thoughts on this. Like, what did they end up saying at, at the very uh, well, end of the before discussion? Before I get to the end, I do yeah. want to mention a couple of things. Like, you know, uh, Jason Shar said movies have climaxes, games have boss fights. Mm-hmm. And there you go. <laughs> Kirk follows by saying it's kind of a reflection on life too, isn't it? Life is a series of waypoints like that of climactic encounters spaced out by more routine challenges. That's a very good point. (laughs) And then they move on and talk about how, um, where is it? Oh, he said, but here's a question. Does a climactic encounter necessarily have to be a boss battle as we've come to understand it? And then they begin to talk about games that have uh, things that are not of that same uh, kind of creation, like Planescape. Where you know the final boss doesn't have to be a final boss fight. I, right. You know, I'll just say it like that. And um, there are, you know, that's one type of thing where you know you kind of do something and you don't have to have an encounter like that, like the traditional types of encounters. And uh, some another example is like Persona Three. There are exams in the game that you have to pass. And they're kind of like boss battles because they quiz you on stuff that you learned in class. Mm-hmm. Um, Sorry, we we we've been on the Dark Knight Rise game. Yeah. Oh, uh, and then they they also brought up you know Shadow of Classes, which is a game that is nothing but boss fights. Right. And uh, you know there are 
he, like Jason says, that uh, he's one of the few people on Earth, he's probably one of the few people on Earth who doesn't really care for Shadow Classes, likely because it's all boss fights, too many climaxes, and not enough to keep him engaged or interested in the world because there's not enough people. Uh, but then, you know, Kirk follows up by saying that the game has a completely different flow to it, and that's part of why yep. people see it as a paradigm-shifting work, because it takes the stuff that people normally are used to and kind of puts that aside and yep. makes it... flips it on sad. its head. And then like, talks about wh- what's that game? What's that game by Treasure? Alien Alien Soldier, right? Oh, Alien Soldier, yes, yeah. which is all boss fights. Yeah. Uh, I mean, well, there's like maybe five seconds they're, they're like, they're like There's like a break for you to to kind of like hit minor enemies and like restore your sanity, mm-hmm. as it were. Um, then he talks about Journey, and the game doesn't have any boss encounters, but it has uh, a natural ebb and flow with a couple of incredibly cathartic climaxes, he says. Right. Um, so they move on and finish up by saying, like they talked about God of War, Bayonetta, Metal Gear Solid, um, which, you know, they're just bringing up different uh, boss fights that were right, memorable right. to them. Um, Bowser. <laughs> mm. And then they, they actually, what's funny is that they just kind of say that, uh, let's see, where is it? Boss battles are kind of like a destination for the journey. Mm-hmm. And that that's kind of like what, you know, there are different kinds of boss fights. There's, you know, puzzles, and there's your bosses, the, the things that you have to fight and surpass to get to the next part. And then he says, you have your weird outliers. Um, and then he goes, sounds about right to me, stupid outliers. Malcolm Gladwell should write his next book about boss fights. And you should. He says, bosses that spend 10,000 hours just being boss. Just being boss? Like, yeah, you wait, know, wait. 50s boss. Oh. That's all boss. Oh, okay. Um, well, what do you think? I mean, what, what's your take on, on, on this topic? I honestly feel like boss fights are a necessity in something like video games because, uh, you know, video games are designed to be a challenge, um, unless it's like something that's casual, that's meant to just, you know, be entertainment. Uh, there are lots of games that are more than just entertainment and they're a test of your skills or, a way to build up skills and then test you on what you just built up. Mm-hmm. And I think that the first games, was, you know, beyond like Pong, which was just entertainment, but like starting with Super Mario Brothers, uh, that developed <clears throat> a trend of you're going to get from point A to point B, and at point B, there Here's is something. a challenge that you must overcome. And I think that that started a necessity <laughs> of that being in games and if a game is touted as something that is a challenge to you and does not provide that challenge, then, you know, did you really get what you wanted out of it? Hmm. I, I don't know. And that's where it, where it kind of throws me off sometimes if I play a game and say, you know, like the game was really tough throughout the whole game, but then like the final boss was like, oh, you just uh, poke him here and he dies. Uh, it throws me off because I feel like I just spent all that time like climbing up the, a mountain that doesn't have footholds and then I get to the top and the top is like, you know, not even a plateau. It's just a little tip. And, oh, okay, mm-hmm. now I just slide right on down the mountain. I don't get to enjoy the top of the mountain. I don't get to, to really relish in the final challenge of the ending. Um, 
So, so when you say, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say. So I think that they're a necessity. I think that they should exist, and I think that um, even if it's something where you know your your final encounter is completely different or something that throws you for a loop and you're wondering why the heck is this boss like why the heck is this the final boss which I've I've said a couple of times but that's out of misunderstanding like you know I've already said before that I didn't understand why Zeromus was the final boss in um in Final Fantasy 4 but now I understand because I played the game like four more times uh, you mean you mean from a fiction perspective no 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 well from a plot perspective I didn't understand the plot well enough that's what I meant fiction oh yeah, from a fiction standpoint. I didn't understand why, at the end of the game, I fight something that I've never seen before. Just right. like how at the end of Final Fantasy IX, which is a reason why I have to play Final Fantasy IX again, I didn't understand why the final boss was the final boss, but I've never Spoiler seen alert. it before. No, not really. Um, for some people. For some people, I guess. I mean, I didn't say what the final boss was. I just said that I've never seen the final boss before. But I like a game where you're chasing something and at the end you encounter it. <laughs> like imagine if you're mm. playing Super Mario Brothers and you're chasing Bowser throughout these, you know, eight levels and you're fighting these doppelgangers of Bowser and at the end of 8-4 you fight Wario. Like why the fuck are you here? <laughs> right. That kind of thing. You know, you play Mega Man, you know, well, you know you're going to fight Dr. Wally at the end even if they throw you like a, a red herring and like Dr. Cossack or um, some other silly shit. At the end, you know you're fighting Dr. Wily in some incarnation, and that's satisfying. And that's so, why I think that they, they, they deserve to exist, because that's your, that's your climax in your video game. That's almost like your raison d'etre for the game. Like, I'm going to kick that motherfucker's ass. Now, does does when you say in video games, do you mean in the medium, or do you mean that all games? And I know you're not going to say Tetris as a boss battle, but <laughs> does does that mean that all games have to have some sort of a boss battle? No, I think that games that are designed as uh, progressive challenges that culminate. Tetris is a game that has progressive challenges, but it doesn't culminate. You know, uh, you can consider you know the maximum level that you can set in the in the system a culmination if you want but the game progresses past that well it's not even the type of game that should be in this discussion right is is uh, that's why i was making fun of it before like I, right, I'm not, exactly like i'm not know, i'm not saying that that's what you're saying uh what I'm, but I'm, I'm but i'm wondering if you're saying like if if a game like if a game like devil may cry did not have boss battles or if a game like ninja gaiden the new one for Xbox, not not the old NES one, did mm-hmm. not have boss battles. Would it be necessarily be worse for it? Um, well, if it didn't have a final encounter, I think it would be so- somewhat detrimental. I think that if you fought through, because now I'm bringing up a correlation to God of War. God mm-hmm. of War had what, like three bosses in the game? The the first one, yeah. Right. So imagine if you played through God of War and all you did was you know kill harpies and ogres and blah 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 and you get to the end of the game and you don't fight Ares you just have a, con- a cinematic conversation with Ares and the game is over right and that that's actually something that I, that's specifically why I did not mention God of War when I said Devil May Cry and 
uh, Ninja Gaiden because that's inherent in the game. It, it's a part of the game design where, and this is why I'm saying it, it really depends on, and I think you pointed this out before, or one of the bloggers did, but it really depends on how you've designed the game and how you're trying to build it up because the the specific reason why I mentioned Devil May Cry and Ninja Gaiden is because of that fact that they were designed to be challenging in within in the, the game orig- original game each right each encounter with even the peons more so in Ninja Gaiden less so in Devil May Cry but still somewhat you could die and mm-hmm. you had to be good at it and so the the game itself was its own reward without necessarily needing to have boss battles. Now, from a fiction perspective, from a drama perspective, when you're talking about screenwriting or whatever, yes, it would be kind of stupid if neither Devil May Cry nor Ninja Gaiden had a final encounter, but I would I would blame those games far less if they didn't. Then I would something like God of War, which was made to make you feel like a badass the entire time. Well, if you're feeling like a badass the entire time, then there's almost nothing to it. So unless you're a game player who is super casual and just wants to see flying limbs and nipples, because, you know, of course, <laughs> the sexes, then God of War will not be fulfilling to you. But I, I do think that a, a Devil May Cry or a Ninja Gaiden can still be fulfilling and still be satisfying without a final boss battle, just not as satisfying as it could be. And that's why I posed the question, and that's why I mentioned those specifically. God of War, I think, unless they made it much harder uh, or much more intricate, I think would suffer greatly. For and 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 never mind, not even never mind. Let's bring in the fact that it it is borrowing Greek mythology, and that is a type of storytelling that is you know Greek myths, all that stuff, you know. Theseus and the Theseus and the maze and the Minotaur and Perseus mm-hmm. and the Gorgons. That's all based on that's boss all, battle, like yeah, uh, that's all based on climactic encounters, and you you are not doing the source material service if you don't have those encounters. I don't think, and that's why I liked God of War two significantly better than God of War one because it had more boss battles because it made more sense within the flow of that game. So so that and, and that's why I specifically said those two games and not God of War. Right. And, and the reason why I mentioned God of War was because mm-hmm. I wanted to put the scenario and the setup of God of War onto Devil May Cry and Ninja Gaiden. Mm. Um and I feel like yeah, the, there are lots of situations where the regular enemies are extremely tough and they're a challenge in and of themselves, but I would feel very dissatisfied if that was all there was to the game. Like, in the first level of Ninja Gaiden Black, Ninja Gaiden, whatever, you know, if that mm-hmm. nunchuck guy wasn't the boss of um, the first level, and you get to the end of the first level, and there, there's no... It's just the exit? It, yeah, it's just an exit, and you go to the next level. I think that, because of the length of the level, of course, um, I just feel like that would be dissatisfying. It, it would kind of feel incomplete. You'd be like, well... Shouldn't there be something here? Yeah, I could kind of like see playing that. Contra, and you just get to the end of the level, and it goes. Da, 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 and I I would like, feel like in that sense that yes, there has to be some sort of um, climax or some sort of reward for your troubles. Uh, I I do think though, specifically with regards to a challenging game like Ninja Gaiden, in lieu of a boss battle, uh, uh, an incredible upgrade or an awesome weapon or something to take you to the next level. A personally, reward, yeah. I would personally I would be fine with that. I would not even be like, well, I wish there was a boss battle. I'd be like, cool, okay, this is their idea of how they're going. Great, let's let's keep going. Like, I would personally like that's just me though. That's but I me. think that that's also because of the fact that that leads to treasure hunting. 
you know, um, you can do a treasure hunt without a boss battle, and mm. it would be completely satisfying. You go through all these challenges, these small challenges that are really tough, and at the end, you get something. And I mm. guess a boss fight is also something that you get. Like, a get is a terrible word. Yeah. Receive. Yeah. The or, experience. Or it's it's... You know, it's just another. It's just a a different way to you know show the climax because I'm I'm and the reason why I'm bringing that up is because I'm thinking about what they said about Shadow of the Colossus and mm-hmm. that there are too many climaxes. And to me, the climax is not the fact that you got to the monster. The climax is the fact that you got to the top and now you're hanging on for dear life and you're trying to smack the shit out of that thing. That's the climax. The fact that it is a game about boss battles is just taking the semantic how we define a boss and just applying that over and over again, but that doesn't necessarily mean that that's a climax. So that's where Mm -hmm. I kind of took a little issue with what his statement was, but if that's how he felt, that's totally fair. It's just in the way that he describes it, it doesn't really, that's not really fair to the game. Um, Because then, and then from that, what is Punch-Out? A series of boss battles. A series of boss battles, yes. Right. But I think that... And, and, And that's where that... Sorry, go ahead. Uh, I was going to say that I think the difference between Punch Out and Shadow of Colossus is that Punch Out doesn't have any exploration or any seeking. It's like you're, the guy's there, the guy's there, the guy's there, the guy's there. Imagine if Shadow of Colossus was just a line true. of colossi walking up to you and you had to kill them all. True, true. No, It'd that, be a that, different that, game. That's very true. Um, I, I'm, I, I guess I'm being as reductive as the critics are, uh, mm-hmm. the, the critics of that type of mentality. So... But like then, then, then you could look at Shadow of Colossus and say that it's it is going to sound stupid, but there there are climaxes to the climax. I'm sure, and and I think yeah. that's actually that can actually be more intriguing because y- you found this thing that you're going for, and that is a victory in and of itself. Well, mm-hmm. And now you the- take theoretically, it's a victory. I personally found those parts boring, but the idea is there. The idea is a good one. So you find this guy, and you're pumping with adrenaline, and you now have to surmount it, and the the figuring out of how to climb this thing is another climax. It's it's another just like like it's 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 building it's building up your sense of accomplishment while building up your sense of 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 tension and risk as well because like. As you continue to figure these things out, you have the knowledge that you're just going to have to do this all over again if you die. And so the stakes mm-hmm. become higher with every challenge that you surmount and every step that you make. It's making you more confident and more brash. And, and, and once you finally get to the top, you, you, you hit this sense of achievement and accomplishment. And, and, and now when you finally defeat the thing, all of that kind of momentum that you've built up through the through the exploration and then through the climbing and then through the uh, I'm sorry the exploration then figuring out how to climb them then actually doing the climbing and then finally taking the thing down that is just so much build up that when you finally do it completing it is its own reward and the release of that tension is its own reward that like to 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 kind of say that there's too that like there's too much climax. I don't I don't see it that way. You know I see it as a a. a well, he said too many, too many, many, many instances. And what he I think what he was referring to is the fact that there was not enough small shit to do. Right. You know how in an RPG or an action game you're doing little things before you get to the big things. Yeah, no, I I I agree with I agree with that 
interpretation of what he's saying, and I and I agree that there's not enough that there's not maybe enough is is a is a poor word because that connotates a negative trait of the game. But mm-hmm. yes, there is not that much small stuff to do. But I, what I'm saying is that I feel like in lieu of 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 giving you a, a valley before you get the peak, what you are getting is a a gradual slope to the release, and that in some instances can be more compelling to the experience than oh here's a slog and now here's a victory here's a slog and here's it you know this is like a little bit slogging oh wait wait it's more it's getting it it. wow that was amazing and then you go back you know so it it it, you know and not invalidating his own personal feelings at all If, if that's how he felt while he was experiencing the game then you know too bad for him. That sucks that he wasn't able to to get that same sensation. But I, what I'm saying is, I think it's just as valid to do something in that way, um, mm-hmm. you know. And in Punch Out, the climax is knocking that motherfucker out, seeing his animation and seeing him drop to the mat. Um, the climax wasn't actually a fight because the fight was happening already. You know, right, so there's right. different ways to to see how that climax comes about. Okay, my spiel is over. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, I, th- I think um, we've beaten this horse. <laughs> and I feel like, excuse me, I feel like we agree on um, the the necessity of boss battles, and uh, we've had our own little dialogue based on that. Ha ha ha! Let's go. Yeah, but it's not typed, so you can listen to this while you're driving. So we're For better. You. Um, okay. So, do you want to hit up anything else, or do you want to just talk about Kid Icarus? Mr. Let's Birthday talk Boy. about Kid Icarus next. Let's talk about Certainly. Kid Icarus next, but we are going to take a short break. We will be right back. Uh, we are back in the saddle. Uh, we are talking about what did, what did the birthday boy want to talk about? Kid Icarus, the sticky Icarus, Kid Stickerus, sticky icky icky. icky, icky, icky. So I know you you <coughs> you are pretty fond of the game. Yeah, uh, I like. It. I, I I am not, and that's where this uh this 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 column, as it were, because it's not it's not in writing. <laughs> <laughs> but that's where this discussion has spawned out because I'm very interested to hear in, in what you liked about it, and I'm 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 going to make a wild guess and guess that everything that you liked about it is everything that I liked about it as well, <laughs> almost everything. Yeah, and then I like probably a lot of things that you didn't like about it, but um, well, I like <clears throat> the um, daddy like the graphics. The graphics are good. Um, I thought that the stupid campy dialogue was funny. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you hated it for the most part. For the and, most part, uh, yes, I, I I did. I um, I liked the ground battles. I thought it was pretty fucking cool. Um, just it it worked really well for me, and <clears throat> the sky battles were awesome too. Although I got frustrated a lot more with the, the sky battle than with the ground battle because really. Uh, because of the lack of things that you can do, <clears throat> you know mm-hmm. how 
you have all these different attacks based on your movements in um, <clears throat> on the ground battles but on your sky battle all you can really do is just shoot so if you have a weapon that's a either not strong enough or a weapon that you're not really used to doesn't have the range you're used to or doesn't have the rate of fire that you're used to um, I feel like the sky battle gets like that much more difficult and that what that bit that much more frustrating mm. to me and so like I don't like using things like uh, blunt weapons uh, clubs because I mean I've used clubs because I've had to like do the challenges and like go through this stage with a club and uh, you know I like playing on harder difficulties so when I <clears throat> have to do it with those I have to kind of tone down the difficulty and that kind of sucks for me Mm. And, um, you know, then up in the difficulty was kind of crazy because I would be playing stuff like, uh, you know, go through this on five and do something. And I'd be like, all right, well, fuck it, I'll do it on six. And it'd be hard for me to do what I want to do. So then I got to tone it down to five. Or uh, another reason why I would do something like on a higher difficulty is, you know, when you die, you, uh, your difficulty you, you goes relinquish, down. You, yeah, it forces you down to an easier difficulty. and. So you're kind and of buffering so, yourself, you're saying. Yeah, like if I go and do something uh, and I die on the way uh, to the boss and I have to beat the boss on difficulty 5 or intensity 5, then I wind up losing out and I gotta start over. And that mm -hmm. used to piss me off. So I would do it on like a harder difficulty. And if I did die, then it would kick you me back. You would still be at, at somewhat still high be... difficulty and you'd feel at least you were still accomplishing something. Mm-hmm. So, um, I, I thought the game was very long. <laughs> yeah, was it, it was, like, it was, when is yeah. It was and they kept doing new shit. It was like, uh, you know, and uh, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, that was actually a very positive thing about the game because, uh, I honestly thought that it was just a rehash of Kid Icarus and you get to the end and... You mean the storyline? Uh, yeah, you beat, uh, Medusa and... Game over. That's it. And have that fun. Was that. Do it again. But then they went this way, and then they went that way, and then they went out there, and they came back. And I was like, "Wow, it's pretty interesting." And so, um, yeah, I just wound up uh, really enjoying the length of the game, even though by the end of the you know thing, I was like, "Well, just how many fucking chapters are in this shit?" Right. I don't know if there's anything else. Um, anything else? <laughs> anything else that you liked? Well, I can't really think of, like, oh. is, there, is there anything else that comes to mind I like right now? And then you may start talking about it, but, oh, yeah, right, right. I like this, too. Um, so so here, here's the thing for me, is that the campy dialogue and whatnot, okay, I, I could I could take it or leave it. You know, I, there was, like, one or two instances where I actually did laugh out loud, and then the rest of them were eye-rolling. Now, mm -hmm. that they decided to go with that direction. I know what kind of company Nintendo is. I know what kind of, you know, why they wanted to make him this whatever they want to make him but fine that, that that has very little bearing on the rest of the actual experience of playing the game because i could just as easily just you know listen to music while playing that game or actually no because the music in that game aesthetically that game is amazing for you know portable title it it's it looks really good it sounds really good aside from the stupid dialogue that i don't know oh. the, the music is is i really think the music is is done very well um, 
I believe everything is orchestrated in uh, at least partially, right? Is there anything that's not orchestrated or, or like synthy or whatever? But aside uh, from like the retro throwback stuff. Well, no. Like when you uh, when you encounter the eggplant when it goes, but yeah, otherwise when you it's very the reaper. That's what you meant, not the eggplant. The reaper. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, and then when you encounter the the skull, it gives you that that fucking awesome song that I don't know what it's from. That do 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 do. Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, aside from that, you know, the music is all—it's <laughs> all orchestrated. It all sounds very good. The quality mm-hmm. is very good. And this is this is after being used to like somewhat shitty quality on the DS and, and the GBA. So um, perhaps in the world of Nintendo, for a portable thing, this is new. But you know, uh, I think it's notable. Um, my biggest problems were with the ground combat. It, it and not well. Let me, let me first say that I actually. The framework on which this game is built, I think, is great. I think the unlockables are great. I think all that weird extra stuff that you can do is fantastic. I think that the combination of an air of air battles with the ground battles, I think the idea is great. I think the the you know the basic mechanics of you know how you fight, how it feels very similar to Smash Brothers because this is a Smash Smash Brothers joint. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's Sakurai. Um, I think all of the ideas that that this game is built upon, aside from the campy dialogue, which is not necessarily an idea, is, <laughs> is great. I, I think that it had the potential to be something really, really special. And, you know, for for the franchise's sake, for Nintendo's sake, it seems like most of the people resonate with it, and that's great. But my biggest problem with the ground combat is just in how they chose to design how it controls. It, it They... And you can help to correct me if I'm wrong, because I actually ended up playing most of it with the face buttons, which in and of itself shows that there is something severely wrong with how they designed it. If you're talking about someone like me, who hates using face buttons to do analog gaming, and I resort mm-hmm. to that, something has has to be wrong. Um, but as far as the, the, the stylus control on the ground is, for those who haven't played the game, <clears throat> the you have direct control over your cursor, over your reticle, with the stylus. Just like in a first-person shooter, except... Instead of you changing your camera angle the instant that you make any move with your stylus, which is how it would be on the PC, with when you, whenever you move your mouse, your character will look to where you're moving, and your cursor will always stay in the middle of the screen, it behaves more like a Wii game where if you move the reticle closer to the edge of the screen, you'll start turning. Uh, and if you don't move it that much, you won't really turn that much. Um, did I get that right? Am I remembering that correctly? Yeah, pretty much. Um, and furthermore, it's in third person. So you're controlling Pitt as he's walking. So you see his body. And y- you have to account for... It- it's, a- it's a very different experience when you're controlling something that way in the first person versus a third person. Because I feel like in first person games like uh, Conduit, like a Metroid Prime, the... <sighs> I don't know what it is. I, I feel like it's easier to control something that way when, when you're looking from that perspective. I don't know what it is because it feels like – otherwise it feels like you're wrestling within pit because I think this is what it is. When you're in first-person view, what you see is where you're moving to. When you're in third person, you are now accounting for your character within that space. And they're, 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 it's really hard to really articulate, but there's certain areas that you can you – know, that, that you see on the screen that – you're not a part of it's not inherently a part of your worldview and so it 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 separates you one step from that kind of cognitive connection to the world that you're playing in and so when you translate that control scheme of well 
you know, this this cursor is going to kind of live on its own and the camera is going to have to react to it. And then you get to the to the weird decisions that they made about, well, you can flick it like a trackball and it'll make you turn faster, uh, but it's not entirely easy to control. Or when you push the analog stick really hard, it's going to make Pitt run, but otherwise he's going to walk really slowly. To me, his normal trot is very slow, to me. Um, mm. And then... Yeah, yeah, yeah. With the fact that it's very hard to precisely here's where the first person third person really comes into play it's very hard to precisely con- to, to precisely um for me understand exactly where pit is facing because you can move him because it's third person you can move him with the analog stick in a diagonal direction and he could still be facing in a more diagonal direction so you don't know where exactly it's it uh, if this sounds really stupid forgive it just me, sounds weird that- to me that's how it felt when I was playing it. Because in a first-person game, no matter where your cursor's pointing, wherever you're looking, you are walking. And that is not the case in Kid Icarus. Because it's a third-person game, you don't exactly know where... where Pit, I was about to say Kid. You don't exactly <laughs> know where Pit is necessarily looking unless you activate first-person view, and then you deactivate it. And I don't want to play the game in that sense because it, it, it feels too slow when you play in first-person view. First version. Wow. Um, and so it, it, there's this weird disconnect that i experienced when i was playing that game when i was saying i'm i'm looking here i'm pointing here i want to be walking here and sometimes he wouldn't and that came into play on the sections later in the game where like you were trying to walk on narrow platforms and you were being knocked off by those platforms by the wind that was coming in one direction i don't know mm-hmm. if you remember when that was oh, i remember that was, that was like the tower. That, it took me some time to get through that that was for the um unicorn thingy Okay, that's what it was. The yeah. chariot. It, it, it was it, like that was one example. That that that's the worst example that I can think of. I should say the best example, um, because many other parts of the game were similar, but not as severe. Not not nearly as severe, but just a little little bit frustrating. And then when that came down to saying, "All right, that's the enemy that I want to go after." Okay, wait. Now I have to feather the analog stick and finagle my angle, and I'm pantomiming as I always do on this podcast. You <laughs> can't see what I'm doing. But like I have to feather, you know, where he's looking at, and then turning this way with the analog, with the analog control and the stylus, and then like, it just, it did not feel fluid to me at all. Um, and because I wanted to be very precise with, you know, who I was hitting and where I was going and where I was jumping, and maybe I'm playing the game the wrong way that way. Then maybe you're not supposed to be precise. Maybe you're just supposed to not care and be like, you know what, just go for it. But it was a very frustrating experience for me, and. Like it just made it very difficult for me to just sit in the moment and enjoy the experience that I was having and enjoy all the unlockables and all all everything else around it because I was always like struggling with it. And then that's when I finally finally made the choice, maybe about like eight, seven, eight levels in out of twenty four, to say, All right, I need to turn on face button aiming. This is really gross. This is really slow. But at the very least, it's giving me the pinpoint precision that I think that I'm supposed to have while playing this game. And then I was able to play the game. I was not able to enjoy it because, as you know, I don't like playing games with, with that type of control scheme. Mm-hmm. But I was at least able to not to, to play it without wrestling with it. And that that helped a bit. But there's some levels where it, it, it borrowed that kind of, all right, we're going to lock the gates and this is going to be a kill room mentality that I kind of was like, eh. I think they're better than that. I think that they're they're better than just resorting to here. You can't move from this room until you beat all twenty enemies. And oh, here's a level where 
you're going to face 15 waves of enemies. Now, to be fair, they did give you a checkpoint after each wave in that specific section that I'm talking about. Right. But right. that that design philosophy, I think, is very hard to pull off and make it enjoyable for me. When God of War does it, it's different because I, f- I feel completely in control of Kratos. When Zelda does it, I feel completely in control of Link. And, and maybe that's the problem with, with, with me personally in this game is that I never felt completely in control of Pit, whether it be fighting with the, with the stylus controls on the ground or, or t- settling for the half-ass that is face button aiming. I, was, I never felt fully empowered by this game. And that's Ooh. not to say that a game should cater to you and a game should make you feel like everything's easy, but I still always believe that a game should give you the tools to do what you need to do to overcome whatever difficult challenges it comes that comes your way. Um, and I, I personally just didn't feel that that came with me came to me with with, with Kid Icarus on the ground. And I I, I, I I always wonder what it would have been like had either the game played from a more zoomed-out third-person perspective, and it was m- slightly more traditional, but it still afforded you the ability to shoot in a manner of Devil May Cry. Or, oh. or okay. the DS came with a second analog stick. The 3DS came with a second analog stick, which I don't think is necessary because then you're going to get a whole bunch of games that are like, we're, look, we're, we're porting a console experience. That's not what I want, obviously. Right. But... You know, those are the, the those are the two things that I think of. And like with, with regards to the Devil May Cry thing, I'm not saying make it Devil May Cry. I'm saying pull the camera out, keep the Smash Brothers esque feeling combat, but don't make me have to wrestle with the stylus to change my perspective. And in doing so, the shooting becomes less about aiming and 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 changing your camera view, and more about a dance of understanding when do I shoot. When do I uh, slash? It 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 brings to mind war. I was about to say space hammer. It, it brings to <laughs> mind Warhammer forty thousand forty k Space Marine, which I just got off the Steam sale, and how that balances shooting with swordplay, all in the Gears of War over the shoulder perspective, where it still controls like a first person shooter. So wherever the cursor is pointing, that is where you are looking, and that is where you're moving. That's the key difference between the way that some people handle third-person shooters. It's either they make the controls like a first-person game, and the only difference is that you see your guy so that maybe it's easier to jump, or something else like Kid Icarus, or like um, like a du- like a dual-stick shooter, or like a, a Devil May Cry where it's not like it's lock-on shooting. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just don't think that the DS is ne- the 3DS is necessarily equipped to balance in perfect harmony, shooting and third-person platforming. I shouldn't say platforming because you don't platform too much in this game. True. It's basically just... A third-person shooter-esque combat venture, whatever you want to call it. (laughs) I personally still believe that had you pulled the camera out a little bit more and emphasized the aiming less on the ground combat, it would be a better game. It would feel better. It would play just as amusingly. You'd still have all the unlocks. You would feel more control of your character. Like... You wouldn't have to resort to jump pads, kid. Uh, kid, I said it again. Pit could just jump, um, and you could still have the level design. You could still have the exploration. The whole thing with you know um, um, coming back to a level later when you're when you're a better character, when you when you have better weapons, and unlocking that level seven intensity part of the level. You, you it, it would be a slightly different game for sure. 
I agree that it would be different, and it might not be the same as what people fell in love with with this game. But perhaps it would be easier for people who didn't like this game to, to understand that this game isn't necessarily all about just shooting the guy in front of you. It's about exploring everything else around it. It's, it, it, you know, like I said, I love the framework around it. And that, to me, makes it even more criminal that, that you know, the controls were such a chore to struggle with. Because, you know, sometimes you get games where it's like, okay, well, this was bad, but this other part makes it worth it. Yeah. In this case, the part that makes it worth it, you know, it it's a shame because I wanted to enjoy those parts. And the fact that the controls were questionable, like, if I were looking at it in the worldview of th- this good part overshadows the bad part, then, you know, then it wouldn't be such an issue, right? But right. because the controls, you know, made me think about them more than thinking about everything else around the game more, it makes it even worse. Like, it, like... It, this is a this is a case where I would say the game the, a game can be the sum of its parts. A game can be more than the sum of its parts. This is a case, in my opinion, where a game is far less than the sum of its parts because the what was what was so, sort of bad about it, and and I'm not saying terrible. I'm saying sort of bad because it's still playable. But what was sort of bad about it completely takes my focus away from what was so fantastic about it, and that makes me that makes me lament it even more. That sucks. That's not necessarily fair to the game itself. That is just my personal experience with it. But the fact that it brought that experience down, just it's just like, oh, uh, it's like when you see a good movie and this one part, like the ending brings it down so much because the ending just spits in the face of everything else that happened in the movie that comes before it. When you add it up, the sum of that movie is here. It's, it's, it's at seven. But when you think about the impact that it has on your personal experience of that film, it bring it could bring it down to a four because of how important that one piece was and how it how it made you regret everything else about it. So that is you know that is that that that's what kind of brought Kid Icarus down for me was the the fact that it's it brought down what could have been so great and made it so like mediocre that it made it even worse. Um, so yeah, I, that, that's just me. I, I realize that I, you know, I'm very picky about this stuff, but that that's that I, I no longer own the game. I I pawned it off uh, to to whatever establishment pawns things off in a legal way. <laughs> um, I eBayed it basically. Uh, but you know that 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 was that that was, and I think it's unfortunate because there is a lot to love about that game. Um, and I know that there's probably something wrong with me because there was this one specific level. I think it was in like Pandora's Castle or something like that. Where I was, I kept on missing this jump, and you were like, "I hit it on the first try." Yeah, I, so absolutely no problem with yeah. um, doing that particular uh, jump. It was just, you know, it was green, then you move forward. Green, I, move I, forward. I think it's because I, I personally believe that controls should be this way, and it wasn't this way. It was that way, and because my brain is fixated on this way that a control scheme should be and how it should feel, my habits wanted to make Pitt do something in a certain way and I was going about it wrong. Um so I get I but but I but that speaks to intuitiveness, I think. I think I, that speaks to intuitiveness. Yes. I just feel like um it maybe you're making it more complicated than it should have been cuz it was really just a matter of moving forward when the uh, platform was green. But I did, see the thing is I did do that and I okay. missed the jump because I think my angle of approach was wrong. You, you can't just move forward. You have to be facing the thing. Oh, well, what I mean by moving forward is you're taking into account you're already looking straight ahead. 
right. such the, that when you're running, you're going to be parallel to the perpendicular. side of the green. Oh, so the if you're perpendicular, then you'd be running across the... No, I meant perpendicular to the platform that you're trying to get onto. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, see, and, and that's the thing, I guess, is because I kept on wrestling with the camera that I, I never ended up being straight on, and I just had to say, well, I, 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 this is the straightest I'm going to get. So let's go. Ooh. Oh, no, I fucked up. <laughs> Um, but again, I think like, like you're right. I, I, I'm, I might be, I, I, I was struggling with it more because I, I felt like it should be a certain way and it wasn't a certain way. And if, if, you know, I just adapted to the way that the game was telling you, this is how you control it, then probably would have been no problem. And, and, and I think, but that goes right back to the fact that I had a problem with the way that the game was telling me that I had to control it. I had a problem with the decisions that they made and that could be my own issue, but it also is like, there's a certain, there's certain like standards that, I don't think people should have to conform, but there's still certain ways that to make something intuitive where even if you go into a game and you didn't watch the tutorial and you didn't read the instruction manual, you can intuit – I don't even know if that's the right way to pronounce it, but you can intuit how to do what you're supposed to do at the very basic core. And I just didn't feel that Kid Icarus was, was built that way. It's it, it, and and many games aren't built that way. Like Resident Evil, those games weren't built that way. Those games were very clearly, hey, dude, when you press up, you're not going to go up. When you press up, you're yeah. going to walk forward, but you're going to have to turn right to do it. And people, but I'm in this 3D space, and I've got a 3D character. Why can't you? You know what? Because we want to scare you. But you, you know what I mean? It's like, and, and I'm not saying it's necessarily wrong. I, I'm clearly open to the fact that open to the possibility that I'm just anal about how things should be but that that was just you know that's where i link it to is you know i think ever since halo did configurations in a certain way many first person shooters on the consoles adapted that control scheme control scheme because you know it worked and it's right, intuitive right. And, and that it, it felt right and so now the challenge wasn't make a first person game that feels right it was given this engine craft an experience around that engine and i feel like for kid Icarus, they got the experience part right but for me, I struggle with the engine. Ooh. But like all that unlockable stuff, though, go- going back to the positives, I what I what I hope is that Sakurai tries again to make to make what another game in this same vein. It could be Kid Icarus. It could be something else. It doesn't matter what platform it's on. I want to see it because uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> you don't well, see that? mainly because Project Source dissolved. It's you know, so the people who were behind. Uh, I'm not, say- I'm not saying logistically. Game. I'm not saying logistically. I, I'm saying I want his brain to be put to another game, whether it's by Project Sora or... Well, it can't be. <laughs> okay, so so f- fine, fine. But that, that, that's not important. My, my point is the, the mastermind behind what constructed this type of experience, I want him to, to take that thought and put it into... And, and try again. Do it with another game. Do it with right. another genre. Do it with another series. Just do it again. Because... Between Smash Brothers and this game and Medios, you don't get too many of those. You don't get too many of those games where it's this director who says, you know what? I found a thumbscrew on my desk. Let's throw that into the game. Oh, here's a set of headphones. Let's throw that into the game. Here, Here is everything in my bedroom. Let's just throw this into one game and just make people go batshit insane. Because I think that's a lot of fun. It's 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 I feel like it's Nintendo's version of Suda Fifty One, where where he literally goes, I'm you know what I don't care what anyone else is doing. I'm just kind of gonna make this really weird ass game, 
with these weird concepts in it and something that no one else cares enough to do. It's just going to be nuts. And I really don't care if you like it because I'm naming my game Lollipop Chainsaw. And if you have a problem with it, don't buy it. But it's going to be called Lollipop Chainsaw because I'm crazy. And I want to see Sakurai go, you know what? I don't care if you are never going to touch this part of the game. It's going to be in there because I want it to be in there. I don't care if this is a a, a, a third-person action game. I'm going to put this gigantic-ass puzzle unlockable thing in it that you may never care about. But I can do it because I want to. And then he just throws it in there. And then what do you get? You get something with so many things that you don't know what to do with. And so at every other turn, you're entertained by this one thing or this other thing. And like you're, you want to unlock stuff because it's goading you to unlock stuff. And then you want to merge weapons because it's goading you to get a better weapon. And then like it's kind of like Diablo. In, well, not, not really like Diablo. I'm sorry. But it's kind of like Ludish, right? Because you get all these different weapons with all these different stats. And like the same weapon, two of the same weapon might have different stats because of the way that you up that, that you merge them or that you fuse them you know what i mean so it's just mm-hmm. it's got so much shit in there and that's the part about that game that i wanted to like so badly and that's <clears> what <throat> i took away from that and and that's why i'm saying i want somebody to take that idea and try it again or do it in some other genre or something some other mm-hmm. genre where you normally wouldn't find it i should say i see because i feel like all the stuff that you would find in this game part of it you'd find in a smash brothers type game where it was just free for all part of it you'd find in a in a um in a dungeon crawler where it was very loot based, um, you know, w- literally with his weapons. That that's specifically what yeah. I'm talking about. Because you can pick up weapons randomly in the game, and then you get strong weapons with the higher intensities. And then there's diffusing. You also get weapons through multiplayer, right? And through the treasure hunt. Now that, regrettably, the multiplayer, I just never wanted to try because of my misgivings with the controls. But what what was it? What, what's the multiplayer like? For those who don't know. Uh, well, multiplayer is either a uh, six-player free-for-all or a three-on-three light versus dark where uh, it's all ground battle. You run around and you're fighting other people. Uh, and free-for-all is just simple. You know, try and kill everybody and not get killed. It's deathmatch. Right. Uh, in the three ver- 3v3, it's um, there's uh, an energy bar for each team. And based on the weapon you choose, the value of the weapon, um, when you die, you your team's energy loses more or less based on how strong your weapon is. So, so oh, so it's, shared, it's a shared higher. energy meter. Yeah, it's a shared energy meter, but you have your own as well. So when you lose all of your life, you die. And oh, okay. when you die, the value of your weapon is removed from the total value of your team's life. Okay, so it's not exactly like th- theatrhythm. No, where in multiplayer no, no. you share you share one HP bar. Right. Okay. Um, then if your team's HP goes to zero, the person who brought the HP to zero becomes pit or dark pit, depending on what side they're on. Okay. And when pit or dark pit loses, that team loses. Okay. So you essentially get two energy bars, and uh, if you happen to be the lucky or unlucky bloke that dies when the, to deplete the energy bar uh you become pit and the thing is like pit has his own weapon so you'll wind up playing with a different weapon that than what you came into and that weapon mm-hmm. is also random so you may be running around with you know a cannon and doing stuff killing people and then you become pit and now you're using a bone arrow Okay. Um, so it can be a, a blessing and a curse depending on whether you're good at the weapon that right. it has. 
Is, so you know, it, it, it sounds like it's basically like, oh, you died, and now like there's a big red target on your back. Yes. Okay. But and because you have that big red target on your back, we're going to give you some some goodies to well, fight I mean, back with. I don't. I mean, I guess you get some goodies. I mean, I think that Pit and Dark Pit are probably stronger uh, inherently than the regular characters, maybe the weapons that they have, because they don't advertise what the weapons are that right. they are currently using. So maybe they have a higher level weapon than mm-hmm. the other people who are playing. But uh, I really enjoyed playing multiplayer. Like I could sit and play multiplayer for hours. And uh, especially, you know, what they do is you have three on three. And when you, those, those six people are in a session. Mm-hmm. So you can just keep replaying, replaying. If everybody chooses to replay, you will uh, just play with those six people on your team versus their team. And if you're playing with a good team and you're constantly annihilating the other people, then you're just always winning. Mm. And it's, quote-unquote, more fun. <laughs> if you're always losing, then you're going to be more inclined to leave because why do you want to take all that punishment? Right. Um, so there were times when I would be on winning teams and I would have a great time, you know, running around, shooting stuff. And I like playing with the bows and the staffs. Sometimes I like playing with the palms and the claws, but... I don't really like playing with the slower weapons like the clubs and the, the cannons. They just don't really suit my style of play. Mm-hmm. So I, I have <clears throat> like staves and I've been testing out the staves. Like staves can hit you from like 90, 100 yards away and kill you because they, they're sniper weapons. Oh, and so okay. That's why. Okay. I, uh, I started playing as a sniper and just like kind of hanging back. Everybody's running around and whatnot, but then somebody would be like kind of standing around, like looking for something, or maybe they're fiddling with something, and I'd be pow! And they die. I'm like, yeah, got you, motherfucker! And then move on to the next person, and then sometimes I have to run and relocate. But, um, the, other than that, I like playing with the bow and arrow more, just, you know, running gun type of thing, where you're really just trying to swing around the people that you're fighting and then use your power move like i have a darkness bow that's like my main weapon in even in the regular game and i take that with me into multiplayer and the forward dash charge shot takes like 180 something off and it kills most of the regular enemies if i'm playing under intensity eight like one shot uh so for, for, for those who don't get the context of that uh, quote unquote normal difficulty is like two and a half. No, just two. Oh, just two. Okay. Yeah. Well, there two you go. Two standard. So um, yeah, intensity eight is like you know it, the maximum intensity is nine point oh. So I'm usually playing around six or seven, but um, I play at like four. You know, according to my file, like my average intensity is five five point five. Um, oh, after like you when you die and like it lowers and stuff. No, no, just the average intensity. Uh, that my clear chapters are on. So, not even that my clear chapters, but... <clears throat> but that's what I'm saying, that it takes into account your whenever you die and it lowers the thing for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it, it basically takes into account every single time you've completed a chapter and what that intensity was when you cleared it. Um, and then it, it averages all of that. And that's 5.5. Uh, I think the only chapter... I, I might have cleared chapter 219, but if I haven't, the only chapter I cleared on 9 was um, the first one. Because it's so fast, I can yeah. I can kind of just run through the level and then fight Twinbellos and not die. But the hard part is really the sky battle because <clears throat> they're shooting you so fast and 
you have to really be moving around all the time and you have to have a really good weapon to kill the enemies so that you can get the points and things like that but you when you get hit you lose a lot of health it's ridiculous yeah um so i don't know that's all i have to say about kid Icarus. i i really enjoy it and i have no intention of uh, getting rid of it uh right now i'm not playing it but uh theatrithem yeah i'm playing you know well, I'm playing a bunch of games right now since uh you know i have downloaded games and i have theatrithem i have rhythm heaven now cuz austin put me onto it he forced me onto it. <laughs> but you've had it. I just, I just I've had it. I know. It's just it. that, like now, I really want to play the game all the time because of Friday. Right. Let me so let me I've ask you something. Uh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I so said now I've been playing that lately. Yeah. Let me ask you something about um, Kid Icarus. Uh, Kid Icarus, or, or or at least Uprising. The original Kid Icarus, and, and actually, this is a a, a a perfectly timed question to ask you because you also did complete the uh, the original mm-hmm. as it was rebooted on the 3DS. Kid Icarus was one thing. Kid Icarus Uprising is clearly another. It, I feel like, and again, because you beat it, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like it almost isn't at all what the original Kid Icarus was in terms of what kind of game they are and what kind of sensibilities they have. Would no, you it's have, a completely different game. <laughs> would you have liked to see them continue with the old Kid Icarus and, and you know, adapt, modernize that gameplay? Would you have done it I guess the question of would you have done it differently or felt the need to is is, is moot because you like this game. But I I mean, is there would you have li- would you like to see them also give it that treatment of this is the old gameplay here are here's what's archaic about it. We're going to update it for today's game, but this is still essentially Kid Icarus. What do you think that would be like? I have no idea because um, I think that that's like the that's like the Metroid question mm. because um, you know when they announced Metroid Prime, people were kind of thinking, oh, well, how are you going to handle platforming? Is it going to just turn into a third person? Which, you know, that's what they did sometimes. But right. uh, a lot of the time, because it was a first-person game, first-person adventure, um, they had to kind of go into that perspective. They couldn't just make it like a 3D third-person game. They could right. have. I mean, they did it with uh, I don't even know what the name of that game is. Mother M? <laughs> Other M, yes, mother. Um, mother. Yeah, mother sort of M other. rearranged. Other. Mur, mur, mur. So, um. <clears throat> mur. Mur. So, I think that if they did say, say if they did Other M to Kid Icarus, mm-hmm. I probably wouldn't have liked it as much. I think that uh, it would have just been like kind of rehashy. Like, oh, well, you're just giving us, um, you know, this, this, a similar Kid Icarus experience, expanding upon it. But it's the same game that we played in 1987 or whatever it was. Uh, kind of like how Metroid Other M is the same game we played in 1987, except it's got 3D graphics. And I mean, they did do some kind of changes, but I think that Metroid Prime was a more welcome evolution of Metroid. And that—that's actually what I was going for. I'm not saying rehash it. I was saying like evolve the original Kid Icarus gameplay because I don't. And and again, this is where I, I need your help because I did not complete the original Kid Icarus. But I, from what I see and what I played, I don't feel like Kid Icarus Uprising is an evolution of Kid Icarus. I feel like it's a a different thing. Well, I the reason. Well, if you've played Kid Icarus for even like 15 seconds, <clears throat> you've played the whole game. <laughs> okay. 
I mean, it really, that's all it is. It's, it's mm -hmm, you jump mm -hmm, and you shoot, mm -hmm. and the first level just goes straight up. The yeah. second level goes left to right. The third level goes straight up, and the fourth level goes left to right. And the fourth level is cake because all it is is you're just flying around invincible, rather, with the um, <clears throat> with the three sacred treasures. And you have to kill 50 enemies, and then you get to Medusa. And Medusa's like the cakiest. That's a that's a game where it's like the game is an extreme challenge, and the final boss is pushover. Oh, okay. Um, and it, it's almost like one of those things where it's like you've made it through all this shit. Take 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 a break, relax, right. enjoy this part. And then you know, I think that the basic run and jump kind of gameplay would not have evolved well. You know, it, it, you think about it, how would you make it into a game that's modern and interesting, but still retains the sensibilities of the original game? I, I, I guess then the question becomes, because, and again, I, I played a, this for about half an hour. What is the original? What is it that made it what it was? Like, is is there anything? And I think this goes back to the question of when people are asking, like, do we care about Kid Icarus? Why do people care about it? That, that is now my question. Like, what 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 is it? What is it about it? What is it about Kid Icarus? That, that I makes think it, it special. Has... Like, is there, I should say, is there anything about Kid Icarus that makes it special besides the nostalgia and the fact that it is a different franchise? Like, did it, did it do anything from the gameplay side of things that made it like, oh, wow, this is, for better or for worse, this is something different. This is what it is. No, I don't think so. <laughs> um, because it's it's a game that, really kind of follows in the same vein of Metroid. Mm. Um, except the controls are a lot more unforgiving. Is but it like Metroid? Think... Is it like mm -hmm. Metroid? Like in terms of like that whole like exploration type of like... Well, no, no, not in terms of um, the exploration. That's what makes Metroid different than Kid Icarus. But with Kid Icarus, it's, uh, you know, that scaling. You open up the game and you're scaling you're going the press, so the press so the level structure right level structure uh, as far as you know metroid is more of an open worldish kind of you know you go from screen to screen but the metroid is not built into stages it's built into a world whereas kid Icarus is built into stages um it feels kind of like they, they feel kind of similar when it comes to control and um kind of it, it, there's this word that it I'm feels like this it, it feels like it's cousin yes like almost like a the thematic type of thing. I mean, it, thematic is the the worst word I use. Yeah. So, but yeah. when you play Metroid, there's a certain feeling you get when you play it. And when you play Kid Icarus, there's a certain feeling, at least that I get when I play Kid Icarus, that yeah. makes it feel special and it makes it feel unique and different from the other games that Nintendo was put out at that time. And then you, when you come to think of the fact that all the other Nintendo franchises have seen many, many sequels and evolutions over time, and Kid Icarus only had that one Game Boy game, which apparently is really good. Uh, mm. it's been, you know, it just got released for Virtual Console. On 3DS. And I went to read about it, and it, all the crit critical reviews were, like, pretty good. And they took the formula of Kid Icarus, and they evolved that that could be what you're asking about. <laughs> Except for the fact that, you know, 3DS is much further down the line, but the Game Boy sequel to Kid Icarus was... Taking the regular formula yeah. and expanding upon it. Now, instead of you being restricted to just going up and in right, you can go in all four directions and all the same power-ups are there, but maybe they enhanced uh, just 
the manageability of it, like how you get it, how long it lasts, or things like that. And I, yeah. I think that there are still labyrinths in the the Game Boy version too. I'm not sure. I feel like if they were to take that as their jumping off point and and say like, all right, for the new Kid Icarus, it's going to be beautiful 2D art. It's going to it's going to expand upon the gameplay that was in um, the Game Boy version. That that would probably be what we what we should expect for like the next evolution of that. If if we're going to say we're going to take Kid Icarus and evolve it instead of making something completely different, because the thing about Metroid like and, and it does and like you you're right, it doesn't sound like it would necessarily benefit from the transition to 3D. However, if you keep it in 2D, the sensibilities are still there, but you get like more polish and something that makes more sense. I think. For me, the thing about Metroid, and I remember there was this big argument about it on like Planet Metroid or whatever that website was called. Screw attack! I, I can't remember. Mm-hmm. Where they're all like, they're all like, no, they're wrong when they say Metroid's not a jumping game. The Metroid is a jumping game. My problem with that is it's a jumping game by virtue of the limitations of the platform. You can't have a an action. You can't have a shoot. Well, not that you can't because Zelda's right there, but they wanted to give you a, a an action shooting game with some platforming that allowed you to explore the entire world. And the best way for them to do that was to was to link the different areas by long vertical chambers so it's not just going left and right the entire time. Right. Um so that's you know, that's why the whole idea of exploration is I think the more important piece of Metroid history or Metroid's culture than is just the jumping because even when you start to play Super Metroid you know, there are a lot of somewhat involved areas that aren't just jump up, jump up, jump up, jump up, jump up. You know, they're large rooms. Very true. Mm-hmm. So I think that that spirit is what's captured in, 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 you know, in Metroid Prime. And now that you take it down to Kid Icarus, well, there's only been one game. And who knows what their idea was behind Kid Icarus in terms of saying this is what the special thing about that game is. Is it just as simple as this is how we're going to design the levels? Is how it's just going to be up, down? Or is it a larger broad strokes of it's an open world? It, you know, and that's where I was going for what is the broad strokes of Kid Icarus? I, I, I guess I, I, I guess it's up and down. I don't know. Yeah, there's not much to it. Hmm. And that's the thing about Kid Icarus. When, when, it really, when you really get down to it, there's not much to it. Right. It's, um, you know, you're scaling up and you're dealing with these, uh, you know, Greek mythological fake things. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, true successor to Kid Icarus, God of War. <laughs> Kid of War. Kid of War. I am crazy. Kid Pit. Pit. Pitos. Pit of War. I am Pitos. Um, let's move on because it's getting late. Yeah. Uh, uh, birthday boy. What is the last topic that you would like to address? Um, let's talk about used games. And then we can talk about that new console another time, especially when more information comes out from it. Okay. So, um, how, I guess so, I so you to have to tell me, one. you have to inform me how how are they, how are they doing it? Uh, well, I'm going to pull up these articles that I have about rented and borrowed games and stuff, but I will preface it by talking about Mr. Dennis Dyack. Oh. <laughs> uh, this. Old article Mr. from Kotaku. Dennis Dyack. March 28th, 2012. Mm. Dennis Dyack claims used games will destroy gaming. Which they might. I'm going to just move to a quote. He says, because there are no used games, you could actually sell a game for a long... Oh, the tale, yes. Um, 
Because there are no used games, you could actually sell a game for a long time and get recurring revenue for quite a while. Recurring revenue is quite is very key. Now there is no tail. Literally you'll get most of your sales within three months of launch, which has created this really unhealthy extreme where you have to sell it really fast and then you have to do anything else to get money. Mm. Um and you know, that's something that kinda occurs for everybody except Nintendo like a lot of Nintendo's games are just they, they have like extremely long tails people still buying like stuff that came out now but I'm sure that used games are eating into that yeah then uh, he says yes used sales are interfering with other sales and destroying the entire development industry so I would argue and I've said this before that used games are cannibalizing the industry if developers and publishers don't see revenue from that it's not a matter of, hey, we're trying to increase the price of games to consumers and we want more. We're just trying to survive as an industry. If used games continue the way that they are, it's going to cannibalize. There's not going to be an industry. People won't make those kinds of games. So I think that that inflated price... Oh, I think that's inflated the price of games. Mm -hmm. And I think that prices would have come down if there was a longer tail, but there isn't. I disagree. But, um, you know, because the the... The excuse, quote unquote, was that um, oh, development costs development have costs are increased. higher, and not yeah. because we're not selling games, but I'm sure that they wouldn't say that either. You guys aren't buying our games like two years after we sold it, after right. we released it, so we had to increase the price. But what he did say at first, I do agree. Like that creates some serious tension where you know everybody's all talking about you know Call of Duty sold X amount of millions of copies in this first day. Or this right. game sold this amount of copies in its first week, and the top ten games of the month of XXX, you know, they change every single month, mm. and I'm sure that the games that were like dropping off of the list, they're dropping off the list and they they fade Stay into off. the fucking ether because they don't sell anymore. Right. So no uh, that mm -hmm. no one cares about them. They're like right, and it's not that no one cares about them. It's just that the people who bought the game originally. Are returning the games to GameStop, yep. they get a little bit of money, and then GameStop gets all the rest of the money from someone who comes along and says, "Oh, I want to buy such and such a game," because they'll look at the, the fucking shelf, and that game will be on the shelf for fifty nine ninety nine or sixty forty nine ninety nine, and then they'll look at the used shelf and it'll be on sale for anywhere between thirty and fifty bucks. For thirty and fifty-five, I guess I'll say. But this say you know, a long time has passed, and a lot of you know, a lot of Nintendo games are still selling for full price on shelves, new games. But you can go to GameStop and get them for half price. So why would you go to Target or Walmart or Toys R Us and buy the game new? You know, not oh, off of a sale, not off of a sale, because you know, a lot of times. Toys R Us would be like, buy one, get one forty percent off, or yeah, buy yeah, one, yeah. get five dollars, or buy two games, get one free. But I'm not talking yeah. about that. I'm just talking about a regular day when there's no big sale. Uh, exactly. A, an average person would rather go to GameStop and get the game used. Uh, this leads into the uh, <clears throat> new Sony and Microsoft consoles, codenamed Orbis and Durango, respectively. I believe. I think mm -hmm. it's Sony first. But um. Yep, they are being designed with a feature. I guess you want to call it a feature. <laughs> that feature, um, maybe I don't know. Basically, the technology can be called anti-used games technology. Right. And people are thinking about uh, the effects of that immediately. You know, the 
the the the doom sayers are like oh used games are dead we'll never be able to go to the store and get a, a game shortly after release for like you know five bucks less or twenty dollars less or i can't borrow a game from my friend or i can't buy a game off ebay uh you know everything is doomed sony's the devil blah 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 and <clears throat> just a brief breakdown of how the technology apparently is going to work it's kind of seems like it's going to work like steam where you buy your games and the games are going to be linked to your account when you yeah. when you buy them, you open the package. Is serial number probably serial number will be bound to your account, so <clears throat> you can play the game, you can download the game or whatever, but you can only play it on your console on your account. If you were to give that game to someone else, or if you were to sell it, and that person were to go to GameStop and buy it at a reduced price, when they install the game, they may get they may experience like a small portion of the game, or they may not have access to multiplayer if it's like a call of duty type of thing where multiplayer is a big feature of the game mm -hmm. they may not be granted access to those parts of the game until they pay for an unlock key which would be like an extra ten dollars it, right. it's exactly like how it's going now so uh you know these people who you know, ea it's madden now they're selling online pass for like all of their sports games so if you buy Madden for $60, you get the online pass for free. But if you buy Madden, you don't and get someone that pass. purchased it for used. you and yeah. use the online pass code, you have to now pay $10 for an online pass. Um, I personally feel like, you know, if that's what they gotta do, that's what they gotta do because I, I don't really like buying used games for current consoles anyway. Right. Um, I don't even like buying used games for like portables lately. It's just it doesn't feel right to me. <laughs> hmm. I, I want my game to be untouched. I don't want to, you know, put in like it, well for game cards especially. I don't want to put in my game card and then I boot it up and the first save file is someone from the end of the game. Well, everything is unlocked. Or some yeah, that's shit. that's why whenever I sell stuff back or give it away or something like that, I always clear the saves. Yeah, and that's what I do too. Um. But a lot of people don't do that. Yeah. And I know when I bought Dragon Quest V uh, from GameStop, because I finally, finally sold. Uh, finally, finally found it used uh, because, you know, that game was a limited release. Yeah. It had somebody's save file on there. Ugh. And the first thing I did was delete that shit, start yeah. a new game, and that's a lot. The thing is that I am, I am, I am in support of the industry wanting to, to, to support itself. Mm -hmm. I'm in support of it trying to survive. If, you know, I, I say that, you know, we should be given the choice to do certain things within reason. And if, you know, if the choice, if, if the choices that we are, that we are being given are now limited, it, it makes me a little upset. At the same time, I understand that if they don't limit our choices and we don't have this medium at all or, mm -hmm. or very little of it. So, you know, you, you you can only ask for so much. You can only ask for the free internet for so long. True. You know, people are like, "Oh, now I have to pay for these websites." Well, the internet almost died. So, what do you want? On the other hand, I, I I feel like if there is, if I want to lend you something to have you try it, I should not have to go through hoops. That is where it gets sticky, and and th at that point, you can't really do anything about it, right? Because it's either if you let people, if you open up the system and keep it open for people to do what they used to do, you don't get rid of the problem. Right. You get rid of the problem, but then I can't do something as simple as let me bring this game over to your house. 
Like yeah, you can't that, do that now, huh? I said, yeah, you can't do that now. Right, exactly, it, and 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 that that is the that is the area where I think it's a it's they have to find a better solution for it because like it's 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 just like the whole idea behind the DRM hurting the people who who support the industry as opposed to hurting the people who don't support the industry. Mm-hmm. I want to play this game. I bought it legitimately because some asshole out there downloaded it off a of BitTorrent. I now have Sekrom installed on my machine. I have a rootkit installed on my machine. It's slowing it down. It's doing all this other stuff to my PC that I don't want it to. And now I consider talking to a pirate to get a pirated copy because it doesn't have the rootkit. So what is it doing? The protective measure is now causing more of the issue that they're protecting against. I'm not saying that's actually what's happening or that 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 actually has happened. I don't have data to back it up. I'm just saying if you think about it in that way, then is that really the best solution? No. Um I I feel like I feel like it's hard to get away from this problem without without um going to a more digital world, one in which I I don't necessarily have a problem with, but I also still, I also still believe in the box, you know, in 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 having the the copy in your hand in case something happens. Yeah. I know people are like, oh, what's the chances of like, what's the chances of like a server going down? It never hurts to be safe. It's not even that. What about support? It's Ten right. years down the line, are you still going to be able to? Play? I mean, and then a lot of people don't care about that, but someone like me who can go into his closet and get a game that is 27 years old and play it on his TV. Yeah. You know, thinking about all this digital shit 27 years down the line when I'm fucking old and I'm thinking about what I used to do when I was 30, <laughs> am I going to be able to, you know, pick up my 3DS and play new Super Mario Brothers 2 cuz I'm going to download that and right. say, you know, uh my well, see, here's the thing. Say it's not on my 3DS. eShop mm. is long gone. Mm. I'm not going to be able to access that and download my game again 27 years from now because there's going to be something new that will make eShop obsolete. Right. And I don't have a physical copy because I wanted to get 100 Club Nintendo coins for <laughs> registering the downloadable game. Right. So... um you know what's going to happen with me? What's going to happen in Virtual Console for the Wii? Uh, you know, even probably ten years from now, will it get absorbed into um, the Nintendo network that they're trying to kind of really push with um, eShop and Wii U? Wii U will probably last another five six years. So I'm thinking the console after Wii U will be in the situation that I'm describing right now. And say I want to boot up my Wii, do I have to have everything on that Wii SD card or system memory in order to experience the things that I experienced in 2006, 2007, 2008, 2012, 2013? You know what? It, it makes me really wonder how to how to make games as a service a, a viable thing, physical and digital. Mm-hmm. How do you offer the consumer the choice to subscribe to something and consume that something? And continue to consume that something until that consumer stops paying, because 
the whole problem, the whole idea of like, oh, you know, I can't, you know, I, I can't lend my game to someone else. I can't do this. I can't do that. Well, that's that 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 problem starts to go away when you can still lend that game to someone else, but you're still paying the company for owning the rights to that game. You know what I mean? Mm, it's it's a compromise yeah. where I acknowledge I don't have this game in my hand anymore. I'm giving it to someone else. The people behind this game are somehow still getting paid. There's there's a whole bunch of issues that arise from that as well, I'm sure, and I haven't taken the time to think about it. But it's it it's, it, it it warrants thinking about because um, I'm just thinking about like Spotify and 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 you know all the ways that we consume our music now. Now, never mind the fact that you know. Uh, there it's so digital and like that that's kind of what we're trying to avoid here but you know the the point being is that like is is it better to move to a service-based model where they will get their revenue no matter what and we'll get to experience your games no matter what or is is the best idea the online pass where i actually think that's okay like people like hemmed and hawed but it's like you know what if you're gonna buy a used game like you realize what you are doing to this medium and accept it it's just for the sake of saving a buck you're basically fucking the company whose game you're buying because they're not getting any of the money and you're enjoying all of their game. And, and let me be clear. I don't care about the company. As, well, as yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not I, saying I, I yeah, care I didn't about say the what company. I said. As yeah, no, no, I know. I'm just saying company. to other people who are listening. Mm-hmm. I care about the company providing. I, I, I am still selfish. I'm caring about the company providing me with what I like. But they cannot provide me with what I like unless they are getting what they need. So then we compromise. Online pass, you know what? I'm going to sell my copy of Madden shit for, what, $20 on eBay? Right? <laughs> if you're lucky. Just, let's just say $20, $30 on eBay. Like, like, let's say I bought it last... Let's say it, it came out last month, and I bought it last okay, month. Okay, yeah, right? I was going to say, you get $20 for it if you sold it within a month of launch. Right. So they, the, the, the person who buys it from me saves 30 to $40 from, from, from my copy. Mm-hmm. They still pay EA ten dollars for the online pass. Yep, and they're still getting over twenty to ten to twenty dollars in savings. Mm-hmm. So if they could find a way to to continue that for players for games that don't have online components, that's the tricky part. Yep. Do you do you start to make it an unlock thing? Because then you know the, the whole thing with the with the with the aftermarket we're like okay i'm selling it on ebay that's a completely market controlled thing you know i can get this for x amount of dollars on amazon i can get it for y amount of dollars at GameSpot, uh, GameStop used i actually made that mistake wow GameSpot, <laughs> GameStop, GameStop, GameSpot. i i can get it from another ebayer for two dollars less than what you're asking for so talk to me what are you going to do for me mr auctioner right so that's completely market determined so now if you know if the market starts going, I ha- I still have to pay EA ten dollars, and you're still you're still trying to send- sell this to me for forty dollars. I'm not going to buy it. So ideally, ideally, those auctioners are going to be like, shit. Well, we can't do this anymore. Let's drop the price a little bit and understand what we're getting into when we do this. Now, you know, th- this gets into a whole discussion about economics and 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 you know, social systems that I I'm not smart enough for. So I'm I'm going to stop <laughs> right there. But it's something to think about, right? Mm-hmm. Y- you know, it's a good compromise. Do 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 I do you let me sell a used game or do you let me purchase a used game and pay a little bit cost to activate that game is is that a solution gamestop would never go for it because then they would be like they would they will not like we can't sell used games for only five dollars less and and then like you know still make loads of profit over it 
But right. say that they did. Say, say that say that we lived in a world where you could do that. I think that that makes sense because you're still saving money. You you still pay the company. You still save money, and still not everybody, but a lot of people might be happier. Maybe I don't know. Some some economic yeah, I, I have to genius needs to much, come and email us. I've, <laughs> I have to wonder how much money the company. It, it, it could be a very small bit, but how much money are they making off of online passes? Like, is it really something that is? making the difference because you know something madden there's millions and millions of millions of people buying the game already at full price right the day it comes out and so they've made their money and they've made their profit i'm sure hand over fist but they still want to get the rest of that money from the people who uh get the game from the people who return madden the week after uh or people who play an adventure game or whatever and they don't have anything to do so they buy the game and they go through the entire game and they're happy with it and then they take it back. Now GameStop sells for five dollars less. Somebody comes in and goes, "Oh yeah, um, instead of paying full price for the game and it just came out, and there's no way I'm gonna get it for twenty bucks. Oh yeah, I'll get it for five dollars less." And now they've got to pay, you know, an extra ten dollars for the game. But the company that made the game is only seeing ten dollars. You know. How? What is the effect of I, that on a game that doesn't really sell yeah. as big as Madden? I start. I start to wonder. I start to wonder how big and how influential GameStop is versus the industry, and what it would take. What kind of cooperation? What kind of collaboration it would take for a consensus to be reached on this stuff? Because GameStop has to has to realize that if they keep doing this, and it does result in an industry crash or whatever you want to call it. That they're not going to have product to sell. That's true. You know what I mean? Like their their whole existence is based their whole existence is based on this industry. They don't exist if the industry doesn't exist. So what do they do? Do they do they start publishing games? Do they start? I, I don't know. So I, I wonder what it takes. What kind of collaboration it takes for them to figure this problem out? Um, and and I wonder if they come to something that the consumers will buy into. Because then you can have a situation where happening. GameStop is like, oh, this is great. I'm happy. Yeah, right. I think that the only situation well, with, that with GameStop Orbis, will say that about is the status quo. Right. Well, I think with, with Orbis and Durango, I don't think that that's the solution just yet. Just quite yet. You I know what I mean? So in, in terms of like mm-hmm. locking out... Huh? I said I agree. Or, yeah. So it, it's interesting. I I um, I don't know. I don't, I, I'm not a professor. I don't know what the answer is, but it's it's something that I don't think is as simple as, as, as locking people out but I think it might be as simple as the online pass system. That I'm okay with. Mm-hmm. Completely okay with. Um, there's something in this article here that sure. I do want to mention uh, because the article is entitled There's st- Hopefully Still a Future for Used, Rented, and Borrowed Games. And it's really just... Uh, who wrote this? Luke Plunkett. He wrote... Plunk? Um, basically, his recommendations of solutions for this emerging future. Um... One is where is it? The first one relating to used games. Um, and won't stop you from playing a pre-owned game. From what we heard, it's all likely to limit a player's experience on unregistered copyrighted game, like what I mentioned before. Uh, whatever form living, there's only one reason to do that: not lock you out entirely, so you can be sold the ability to re-register and unlock the rest of the game. That's the used thing. Uh, this would keep publishers, and remember Sony itself is a major publisher, happy. As if it's not cutting down on used sales, 
they're at least making consistent unlock profit on them while also keeping retailers like GameStop reasonably happy as it's allowing them to continue to trade games. It would be bad news go. for it would be bad news for consumers, especially if a ten dollar just random number unlock mm -hmm. fee didn't in turn result in cheaper used game prices. We'll look at it this way. One side in this user used games argument wins outright, you'll be really screwed. A little screwed somewhere in the middle ground between both parties sounds like the best choice of our deal. Right. Uh, as for renting games, I see a potential solution that for that being even easier. We've heard that retail games will, in addition to being made available on Blu-ray, will also be purchasable from PSN. And now the technology exists on PSN to effectively rent games. is what you do with your PlayStation Plus. You don't subscribe, you can't play the games anymore. So he sees no problem in renting. Uh, rental outlets could get codes or vouchers that unlock a finite period of play. The codes go out with your game, and you can rent games as you do now. As right. far as borrowing games goes, this one might be a little harder. Uh, it says the only way I can see to get around the Orbis is supposed lock to one PSN account policy is that Sony will allow you to sign in other people's machines. But of course, that's a security risk. Right. But yeah, I mean, it, I don't know how. I don't even think that that works for 360. Like, you can't sign in on somebody else's 360 and say have games on a MU or a hard drive and have them work. Or does that work? Mm, I don't know. Actually, I think that that does work. I don't remember. But I know some convoluted thing, like either the machine had to be yours and the information on the game had to match the information on the machine, or you had to be signed into Xbox Live and it would it would hook up the license through the net. I don't really remember. But if they could streamline that, that would probably be a, a better way, as opposed to having you bring your hard drive to somebody's house and sign into your account, uh, which is, of course, less weight than bringing the entire 360 or the next console, whatever. Uh, but that's that's what he says about you know borrowing and uh, rentals. And uh, let's see, that's the end of that. That's the end of that. And uh... I hope they figure it out. I I because I, I I hope they figure it out in a way that still allows me to have the choice to save money if I want to, mm -hmm. or you know recoup some of the value on a product that I didn't fully enjoy. Um, because I, I don't, I don't want it. I don't want it to be either extreme. I don't want the industry to lose money, but I also don't want to be limited in my choice as a person to do what I want to do with it, um, within reason. Again, mm -hmm. that's very important. Um, I don't know if you would like for me to uh, read this other article that was way back when, uh, entitled Five Reasons a World Without Used Games Might Not Be So Bad," because that could be a whole conversation too. <laughs> well, read it. I'm curious to see what they say. Okay, uh, this is also a Jason Schreier post. Uh, number one is everything's going digital anyway. Um, which Sad but of, true. Yeah, and which kind of leads into number two. The future could look a lot like Steam, where games are like dirt cheap every six months. That is something that I was going to bring up very briefly. Uh, number three, retailers will have to offer better deals. Well, that's true. Right now, chains like GameStop can get away with giving you $25 for $30 for a recent game, slapping a white sticker on it, and selling it to others for $55. Yeah. Uh, that's a nice chunk of change for the game selling behemoth, which makes a healthy profit by selling used games. And usually, you don't even save that much. It only takes a few weeks to sites like Amazon to start running special offers and massive discounts. And at this point, it doesn't even make sense to buy a game when it comes out. You just wait like a month, and it'll go down $10, $15. Or 
if you're not ready to play it, just don't fucking buy it until you're ready to play it, and it'll be ten bucks, five bucks, three bucks, yeah. two bucks, dollar <laughs> I wish a dollar Well, some are. Uh, That's true on Steam. Yeah, games could be significantly more affordable. Uh, that's kind of revolving around the Dennis Dyack argument of the long tail. Uh, publishers might take more risks because they won't have to worry about selling uh, two million copies of their game in the first day. Uh, that's yeah. number five. So if there were no used games, things would basically be the way they were in 1988. <laughs> uh, except with, you know, digital domain and probably like killer sales and stuff like that. Yeah. It, it's it's tough particularly because of how different this medium is than other mediums because the the consumption of those other mediums does not require hmm I'm going to backtrack on that because as things become more digital, the distribution of all these things becomes more similar. I was going to say that the distribution and the consumption of these things are vastly different, not just in passive versus active, but in terms of you – here's how the movie makes its money. All right, You see the movie in theaters, and then you buy the DVD. Mm-hmm. You hear an artist in concert, or you buy the artist's CD, and then vice versa, you go to the concert. Or You know what I mean? The, right. the artist is getting money through the CD and through the performance. Yeah, but not so much to the city. Not so much, but that is still a str- a, a, a trickle. Mm-hmm. Um, games is just games. There's one. Yeah, channel. The, you can't make money through another avenue of right. Um, and and before things became much more. Well, then again, you know they used to arcades. Arcades, yes. But now that's dead. Right. That that's that's kind of where I was going with that. But mm-hmm. the other thing was is you know. I guess it was easier to stream a movie on demand and easier to get something off of iTunes than it than it was to download a, a nine gigabyte game. Now that is more feasible, and that's why I backtracked. Mm-hmm. But prior to that, you know, you almost assuredly had to print X amount of CDs or 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 manufacture X amount of carts, which is super expensive. The the, the Nintendo part is expensive. You tar- yeah. t- start talking about carts. There's a story on Giant Bomb about um, some guy who who fought to get his game released on DS and like them talking about like a minimum order of carts that you had to have in order to have carts. Like as a, as a, as a developer, as a publisher, I had to, I would have to, um, I would have to buy, what's the number? I I think it's 10, 20,000 carts or something. Um, it's like 60 grand or well, 60 to 80 grand. Something like that. Like, I'd have to buy X amount of cartridges in order to... Uh, I'm going to try to find it here. But then that problem goes away when you're talking about Steam, right? Because yep. you don't have to... Th- that's why so many indie developers are just On easy. Steam. Not even yeah. just Steam, just from their own website. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that's, like, that's great. I mean, all it is is is, is, is a file. And it, they, they don't have to worry about, like, whatever. And, and, and that's, you know... I wonder at that point if someone complains about I can't sell my copy of McPixel used. Really? <laughs> you know how much you paid? For? Probably. I don't know how much you paid for that. Very little. Right. I mean, how much money do you expect selling a ten dollar indie game or you know a five dollar game? And then by the time, say you buy a game and it's fifty bucks, you bought it when it first came out. Yeah. Then by the time you're ready to sell it, it's now like. 
749 on Steam. I mean, granted that it's on a sale, 749, and it will go back to its original price, but its original price may have been dropped to 30. Yeah. This goes into a whole other interesting story that I found fascinating also, and I don't want to dwell on it, but just as a, as a tangent. Um, um, well, actually, before I get to that tangent, did you ever see anything about McPixel? No. That's the actual <laughs> game? Yes. They, they oh, described, I thought you were making that up. Uh, giant, uh, Patrick Klepek of Giant Bomb describes it as WarioWare meets MacGruber meets Pixel Art. Hmm. Okay. It's, it's pretty funny looking, but... Um, so yeah, like this guy who was trying to make this DS game was saying that he he wanted to start the Kickstarter and he was like he got you know he got about nine hundred backers who were you know committed to buying the game and that, that sounds good but then you go to Nintendo and says yes I want nine hundred cartridges they're gonna be like <laughs> no, yeah no no go away not happening um, I'm trying to find this this cartridge minimum um, but so nine you cannot make nine hundred and then he. Um, God, I can't find it here. But like, yeah, the minimum number is is um not something. Oh, a number that he was forced to dance around for contractual. He can't. So so there was no number that was in this article because he's not allowed to say. Oh right. But which makes a lot of sense. But like, yeah, it wasn't. It's not like oh, you can you want to like have a limited release of like five hundred cartridges? Go ahead. They're like, nope. So I don't know. Um, games cost a lot. They sure do. <laughs> That's a lesson learned. All right, do you have any stomach for anything else, or should we call it a day? Let's call it a day. Ooh yeah, ooh yeah. So uh, that. I think next time we're gonna try to touch a little bit upon the ooh yeah console. If you haven't heard about it, it's a console based on Android um, as a platform and using similar architecture that Android currently uses. They 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 claim to be able to release this thing for what is it ninety nine dollars? Yeah. Um, there's a Kickstarter for it. The overwhelming response has increased their confidence in it. Uh, they got Robert Bowling to commit to a launch game for it. Um, it's going to be a console, not like a mobile platform, platform or a tablet or anything like that. So, um, you can look it up if you want. It's, it's, it's spelled O-U-Y-A. Um, and if you haven't heard about it already, read up on it. It's pretty interesting. I actually did contribute some Kickstarter funds, so we'll see if that comes to light. Just to I was also going to say that, um... It's uh, its focus is on open source software. Ah, right. So that's that's a very important thing, which seems to be contradictory because you know you got people expecting big time games to come on this console, right? But you have to pay for those, and they're going to. I'm pretty sure that the people who make them they're going to be charged money for the game, like big money. Well, I they're probably going to expect I, it to be closed. Yeah, I wonder though if they meet it in the spirit of John Carmack and and um, Epic, where yes, y- you are paying for Unreal, you are paying for Doom, whatever, but it's open for you to mod and fuck around with at your own desire, at your own whims. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's just that um, they, I could be wrong. I might have read it wrong, or it could be exactly as I'm saying it, but. I also that there was um, some kind of advocacy for free games, sort of. But I, I I might be going about that wrong. No, I don't think I don't think they're saying free games necessarily. I think I think it's free. Some of free to play. Lots of focus. Oh on free right, to that's play. what it was. It was free to play. That's what yeah. they wanted to focus on with 
the the, the games that were coming out on the console. Free to play microtransactions, um, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So, so if it, you know, check that out. Um, send us an email if you have thoughts about that. Uh, what's the email address? The email address for us? Yeah. Uh, that email address is something along the lines of like mailbag at trygames.net. How do you spell that? You can spell it in two ways. Uh, you know, if you know how to speak English and you know what a mailbag is, that would be M A I L B A G. And you if you're silly M-A-L-E, like us, like a scrotum, ma- mail, ma- M A L E bag. But you know, hopefully you'll send it to us using the traditional mailbag. Okay, so either mailbags work. You know what? Could we have found that information and other information about our friends' websites elsewhere? I bet you we did, and uh, that probably comes about now. You can find each one of us at drygames.net on the internet. Al, where can we find you? Where do you live? Uh, I live in various places, I guess. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, twitter.com slash dredmage. Twitter.com slash dredmage. Um, there's xlm2k blogspot.com which I'll update sometime. And what about your band? Oh yeah, I have a band and uh he has a band. That site is uh rocafuertemusica.com r o c a f u e r t e musica with na at the end. Mhm.com. Mhm, mhm, mhm. So, and you can find their album Vuelo Letal which means lethal flight. I learned that cuz Al knows Spanish. Very On the barely. amazon.com Barely. Amazon.com MP3 downloads list. Make sure to, that make sure that you choose MP3 downloads. There's other places too. iTunes, uh, Spotify, Zune. Uh, supposed to be Rhapsody, but who knows? Uh, anywhere where your digital media is served, you should find us. Excellent. Pete, where do you live? Twitter.com slash Riven. That's R Y V V N. R Y V V N and if you like don't you... alcoholics talking about video games and movies, you should follow me on Twitter. Follow <laughs> him on Twitter at ryvvn. dot com slash twitter. dot net. That's yes. the only place I live. No, no. That's other place the only is place to live. No other place is important. Okay, and you can find me obviously at Mr. Chupon on Twitter. It's at Mr. Chupon with an O, not a zero. Uh, you can also obviously visit us at trygames.net at trygames.net, which we rarely update, but one day I will. Uh, you can also visit me at www.sharkversusoctopus.com, uh, which is nonsense and has nothing to do with video games, but it could. Uh, and that's all the places that I live. Email, 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 email. Email us at mailbag at trygames.net, M-A-I-L-B-A-G at trygames.net, or you could spell it the wrong way, M-A-L-E. And you can also visit friends of the site. You can visit our friend Maurice at everyonelovesdinosaurs.com. The other Austin out in the world because there are only two of us and we're both awesome at austindlight.com. Light is spelled the, pro- the appropriate way, like a light bulb. And you can visit Brian Fishman, friend of the site, doctor, and he will save your fucking life as long as you go to his blog, which is called drfishypants.com. Also, friend of the site, we've got James Dendy Connor at www.gamesjames.com. That's www.gamesjames.com. Not just one game, but multiple games. And there's also our friend Alex and Gary from That Game Podcast, which is conveniently www.thatgamepodcast.com. Wow. That was fascinating. Thank mm-hmm. you for enlightening me about that. It's been so long I forgot that we had that. Yep. Um. Yeah, but that's it for us. Uh, we, we might be also talking a little bit about the 3DS XL and, and, and what that entails. Uh, 
Um, send in your questions. Send in your comments. You could feel free to tweet us. Our Twitters, I believe, are in that pre-recorded shit right there. But if they're not, oh well. They should um, be. It should be, yeah. And um, my ears are hurting from these headphones. So I will say, Al. You will? Yes. Happy 50th birthday. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm so old. <laughs> and can't wait to hear your Rhythm Heaven frustrations next podcast. Uh, <laughs> we will see you folks uh, with episode 236. Hopefully before the next before the summer's over. <laughs> Hopefully before the 3DSXL comes out. Yeah, before the 3DSXL comes out. Uh, I have been your host Austin, and I am famished. Maybe switch and shit. <laughs>